Express Aggression. I forgot to tell you. Yeah. I lied! Don't make fun of me! Sucker! Well, here comes the pain! Enjoying the ride, Randy. His name is Eric Bischoff! What is the one quality that you possess that makes you think that you can walk out here and come to the ring and face the very best in the business? Ruthless aggression! Welcome to the Ruthless Aggression Podcast. I'm your host, Levi. Join with my other host. Hi, I'm Kyle. I'm the other host. Welcome to the show, Kyle. What's up? How, how, how have you been? Pretty pretty rock and roll. Pretty cool. Pretty cool overall. <laughs> it's been fun. It's been a while since we've done it. I know. A lot has happened. Uh, I got married, uh, and that kind of like put a big pause on everything. Yeah. <laughs> It's like I was thinking, like, oh, you know, just getting married. It'll only be like a week, but no, it's like a like what has it been like a month hiatus now? Yeah, probably a month and a half even since we last recorded. Yeah, it's it's murder. I just want to thank each of you who downloaded SummerSlam and all the fans who continue to join in with us. And fans is such a weird word, you know. Yeah, fans. It's like, hey, all 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 five of you, you're our fans. <laughs> <laughs> Well, our episode Vengeance has almost got us 100 downloads, so I'm super excited about that. SummerSlam is our fastest rising episode yet with almost 70 downloads, so definitely proud of this little project that we've been able to put together, and uh, just want to give a huge shout out to uh, everyone listening, of course, but uh, Kyle, I would say also, because, you know, he's, he's super cool, and, you know, he does some food reviews on the side, but... Super cool food reviews. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to my man. Shout out to Joey's World Tour for um, for eating all the things uh, the end. Yeah. Ruthless Aggression Podcast sponsored by Joey's World Tour. I would take it. I would wear a shirt with Joey Joey's face I, on it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Really though, this is I'm I'm being serious. Like to preface this whole episode, I'm gonna say there's gonna be a few parts in here that are questionable, so listener discretion advised because things get a little uncomfortable. Uh so this is gonna be less of the ruthless aggression podcast and more of the HLA podcast. My dear God. <laughs> I mean like there were points in the pay per view just like where it just got to be much, like way too much. Like it just distracted from matches. Like honestly, I forgot about this pay per view really. Like I don't really remember too much about it, and this is probably why. Me either. Yeah, people try to brush the HLA thing under the rug because it was really just like cringy. So here we go. We are on our way to Unforgiven. Tonight from all others. For tonight, there is not one, but two championship matches. The world has... 
heavyweight title. This event one fall for the world's heavyweight championship. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a new champion. The winner! Symbol of defiance, an icon of power, resurrected for a new purpose. You people deserve your own world champion. Exclusive to Raw. To be given to an assassin. Your new world champion, Triple H. The whole damn show. Rob Van Confident in his abilities, poised to play the game, determined to win the gold. Tonight, Triple H must defend his title to earn the illustrious championship handed to him out of corporate spite and accepted with personal grief. The WWE Championship. Soaked in the blood of its previous proprietors. Yet the current and most dominant controller has remained unscathed, ready to eliminate all that stand in his way. Nobody can be me! A decade of destruction. Teaching pain is a lesson given to those who walk too close to his yard. Tonight has got nothing to do with business. This is strictly personal. Tonight, The Undertaker looks to take first blood, but Brock Lesnar seeks to dispose of another legend. On this night, we shall all bear witness to history. Two championship matches, one night. A night where the mighty will rise and the meek shall remain unforgiven. And now, WWE Unforgiven. That's actually how the show started. That wasn't me doing a voice. That was a clip from the show. <laughs> yeah, I, I piped that in. <laughs> so, yeah, the opening package kind of lays out the two world title matches. It's like we, it's like this this ghouly, ghastly woman. I know, like this witch woman. She's like, these clashes of men slapping their titties together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I think that was a word for word, actually. Yeah, that was exact. I mean, I'm just quoting, you know. I'm not, try- I'm not trying to be sailor. Uh, yeah, it kind of lays out the two world title matches. She's like, we have two world title matches. I thought it was funny whenever they were talking about Triple H taking on Rob Van Dam. Like, Triple H is, is like, he's the guy who's handed the gold, and he's an opportunist. And then it has... Rob Van Dam, the whole damn show. <laughs> like, trying to make that sound like, like, it's fun, him calling himself that, but, like, when you try to say it's serious, like it's two warriors, it just sounds goofy. But that kind of, like, that kind of 
more or less just summarizes how the the feud felt between the two. Yeah, honestly, and you know, we'll talk more about it later, but like something feels off, you know? Like what do you mean? It just like And Triple H Rob Van Dam? This doesn't they're trying to set this up like this is a blood feud and it's like, no it's not. It's not. It's just kind of flat. It could be so much more. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It just, it, I don't know, it, just, it did feel just weird, just the context they're giving. It's just like, hey, Trips, you're lame. I'm not. I'm going to be title boy, you know? Exactly. I mean, the back of his shirt says it all. Whatever. <laughs> but yeah, they drive home the point that Triple H was handed the title. You know, the past few weeks on Raw, everyone's been like, hey, you just handed that title. I, I, I won't win it. And, you know. They said Triple H must win to earn the title tonight in the package. There's a guy at the beginning of the show who is uh, startled by the pyro. I don't know if you caught that or not. No, I did not. He's like, oh! <laughs> yeah, he's kind of watching the screen. He goes, Pew! and he's like, oh my god. <laughs> so funny. Unforgiven is live from Los Angeles. Brought to you by Castro GTX. Tonight, Unforgiven is in the Staples Center in front of 16,000 people. I didn't know. I didn't know it was sponsored when I was watching it. I didn't recall it. Usually, whenever they have a pay per view, the sponsor will be like, "And now, Castrol GTX presents Unforgiven." But he didn't say that. I was disappointed. And now, Castrol XD brings you Unforgiven. <laughs> and now, no, extra strength Viagra brings you <laughs> TNA Hard Justice. No. <laughs> To begin the show, we have the Un-Americans versus Booker T. Gold Dust. Bubba... I was going to say that Un-Americans now have William Regal. Now it's a neat little acquisition. Came out of nowhere. They, they didn't have him at SummerSlam. He gave up being his mentor to uh, join the Un-Americans. And I believe his words were, I've always been Un-American in, in my heart ever since I came to this ghastly country. <laughs> I went and read into like... Um... I mean, by read into, I mean, I just looked it up on Wikipedia. They had an article on Wikipedia about the Un-Americans and just talking about them. They ended, like, they really didn't last. I think they lasted, right now we're like mid-2002 or so. And uh, they lasted maybe till like the beginning or so of 2003, like a year or less. And uh, it was largely just because, yeah, everybody was very uncomfortable with getting heat just because they hated America. The only person that was down with it was just William Regal. But, I mean, dude's down for anything, so that makes sense. Yeah, I think William Regal wants to be like this silly heel more than anything, so of course he didn't care. And I'm, I'm, sure, mm-hmm. I'm sure the other three wanted to do something else. But it's a shame, though, because I will say one of the funniest things I've seen from the Un-Americans, you know, regarding the whole burn the flag thing, was that they tried to do it the week after. And, like, <laughs> they Test comes running in, like, beating up Kane, and he holds up the flag and the blood tree's like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to freaking do it. And Jared's like, oh my God, someone stop him. And so they all run in and <laughs> try to beat him up. But I just love like on top of them continuing the angle, just like just like, oh, I'm going to do it this time. I'm really going to do it. <laughs> it's so funny. Up next we have the Un-Americans versus Booker T, Gold Dust, Bubba Ray Dudley, and Kane. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know if you caught this, but uh, JR points out Bubba's short britches. I don't know if you heard him say <laughs> that or not. I, I, did not, I did not hear him say that. I will say, like, you know, Bubba Ray, um, just in this match, I think he's improved over, like, the last time we saw him. Like, is this his first singles run, or has he been singles before? I mean, I'm sure he has. But No, like... this is, I think this is his first one. 
um, at least in WWE. Uh, but can you call it a singles run, really? Because, you know, mainly he's been tagging, like, just with random people. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. I mean, yeah. Like, it's technically yeah. <laughs> a singles run. I don't know. I don't know if they were trying to, like, sow the seeds because, you know, on a few Raws, he went face-to-face with Triple H, believe it or not. Like, they were just kind of nose-to-nose. Bubba's was like, I'm going to take that title off of you. Hot dogs. Jersey. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me. I'm, I I never had a chance to, to mention, like, I guess in the whole, like, what are, what are we doing? Like, anything I was doing or have done is more or less overshadowed by the fact that you got married. But, uh... <laughs> Um, I will. I will say, um, my my fiance Crystal. Uh, I've officially gotten her into wrestling, Ooh. and not only that, but uh, took her to her first live show. And coincidentally enough, it was a very very good show. It was a Ring of Honor show. It just kind of happened. Like it was really weird. Like it was the week of her saying that she likes wrestling, and I was like, oh man, I need to take you somewhere. And I was expecting just like some little indie place that you pay like ten dollars to get into, but then I just got an alert. From I guess just like Facebook events, just being like, "Hey, look, Ring of Honor's coming." We happened to get like really good deal on the tickets, and I was like, "Well, I guess I guess we're doing this," and it was it was a whole lot of fun. But uh, I'm bringing this up now just because um, old Bubba Ray was there. I got to see him. I got to see the man himself. Uh, he was going by Bully Ray because you know. I thought he was. Yeah, I thought too. When he came out, I was like, "What are you doing here? You're retired." <laughs> uh, no, he he. He was like, I'm retired. And then I think not even three months later, he was like, never mind, I'm not retired anymore. <laughs> and uh, it was funny. He was he was running down um, the wrestler Chucky e. T. He was running him down. Oh, and he was yeah. like, yeah, everybody been talking about all this stuff, been talking about what's been going on. You got your Twitter. I got my Twitter. And everybody just laughed at him how <laughs> I said Twitter. <laughs> That's my entire story. I just want to point that out. <laughs> Goldust and Christian start out the match. He tags in Bubba, and they both do the Dusty Elbow spot. I liked that. Homage to Dusty Woes, baby. Yeah, that was funny. Bubba is chopping Lance Storm in the corner. Regal comes after him, but he ducks and nails Christian. But when Bubba's turned around, Regal nails him with, I swear, the lightest clothesline ever, which drops Bubba flat on his face. So I think it's one of those things like William's like, oh, oh, guess, guess I'm hitting you. And Bubba just sells it like it's the worst thing ever. It's so fun. Regal sucks chants follow that. And it's pretty loud. I think the crowd in L.A. is uh, loving what they're seeing so far. Yeah, I mean, it, it's overall, it's, it was real fun. That's good. I gotta say, just like, <laughs> I know we're in the match, but just what, get, what gets me hype is just uh, one I just, I freaking love Booker T's opening. It's my favorite opening probably of all time. Not just the theme, <laughs> but just like the way it comes out and just like the wall of like flames and stuff. And then, uh, oh yeah. And then just, uh, I really love Kane's theme, the one with the lyrics. I thought it was so good. And it's overall just like, this is such a weird matchup, but it's just so fun. Like, it, like these matches just have been real fun. It, anything with Booker T and Gold Dust, it's like anything they touch turns to gold more or less. I've really missed that Kane theme. I don't know why they ever changed it. I guess it's because they've had too many times where they'll give a lyricless theme lyrics, and it's garbage, and so they just backpedal. Tess gets tagged in and works Goldust over in the corner with elbows and stomps. It looks pretty darn vicious. And we get a mildly hot tag to Booker T. And for some inconspicuous reason, JR points out how he grew up without a daddy. 
He's like, oh man, Booker T in the corner grew up without a daddy. He's fighting like a crazy. Like, I don't know <laughs> why. Why he felt the need to bring that up. I, I don't know. I, it's like, I want to say maybe it's because he's black, and but that's just. I couldn't. I couldn't think they would be that sensitive. No, no, no. I think they're just saying like he's he's rough around the edges. I guess I don't really know. I don't know. I mean, I mean, coming to think of it, the last time they they mentioned the grease hair with the chicken thing. I mean, it wouldn't put it past, <laughs> seriously, it, I wouldn't put it past me if they'd go for something like that. But whatever. To be fair, that was Jerry. Yeah, that was that was Jerry. And you know, Jerry just is very insensitive as it is. So. Yeah. <laughs> A lot more on that later. Oh god, yeah. I'm, I'm like 99% positive. I know what you're thinking about. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, the ref gets distracted by the Un-Americans, so Bubba comes in for a what's up spot with Booker. Bubba calls for the tables. But when they try to bring it in, referee Nick Patrick tries to halt it. Bubba's all like, what, what's going on, man? What are you doing? And Booker gets a double baseball slide with the table in his face. Booker gets worked over by the Un-Americans, and so Christian is just doing 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 the biz on him. Christian goes for a pin, and Goldust breaks it up before it's even a one count. And then we get the hottest of hot tags to Kane. Kane clears house. Uh, he does this amazing tilt-a-whirl slam to Lance Storm. Test hits a pump handle slam to Kane, and Booker comes in to his aid and hits a scissors kick. Yeah, I gotta say, at, at that uh, at that point with the pump handle slam, I was just like, man, like I don't remember too much about Tess, but in this match, like he he showed his skill. He looked he was good. I think the whole thing with Tess is like he had all the potential in the world, but never really lived up to it. That and he was like a big, big, big roid man. He was he was steroids man. <laughs> Isn't that how he died too? Like steroid overdose. I, I think so. Yeah, something like that. Like he, he was really roided up towards the end of his WWE run, and they were like, hey, you, you're too jacked up. Get out. And then he went to TNA for like a day and got even more roidy, and then he died. He looked awful in TNA. It was sad. Oh, yeah. It was just nothing but like veins and anger. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show the WWE. I'll go to TNA as the Punisher, Andrew Martin. Oh. He's go he goes as Quiz. <laughs> 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 Test hits a pump handle slam, all that good stuff. <clears throat> Christian interrupts a freaking spinneroony to to a big old boo. He just is is booed out of the building for that. You do not interrupt the spinneroony. Yeah, you you don't mess with that. It's so perfect. <laughs> I'll tell you, they've been getting the spinneroony over on Raw even more so, believe it or not. Because like after Booker's yeah. matches, he's been like, I know what y'all came here for. For a spin-a-rooney. And everyone's like, oh, yeah. That's exactly what we came here for. <laughs> he does it and so, everybody gets up and leaves. Like, they don't watch the rest of the show. <laughs> exactly. If anything, the people love the spin-a-rooney even more at this point. So that's a good way to get heat. Bubba hits a Bubba bomb on Christian afterwards. The ref gets distracted and Goldust hits a Shattered Dreams on Christian. I know. So, that was so funny. A big old shot to the berries. Was that was that was like his, was that like Goldust's thing, like his finishing? Cause I, yeah. I was gonna say yeah. as much as like I I like I've liked Goldust. Like I I didn't really like follow him too much. I wasn't really familiar with his moves. So after the Shattered Dreams, Test comes in with a big boot to Goldie. So it's just finisher after finisher after finisher here. But as Test turns around, Kane hits a flying clothesline from the top rope. 
I flipped out whenever he came off the top rope. I didn't even know Kane ever did top rope stuff. That was crazy. Really? You don't remember his big clothesline where he'd roll on the ground? No. I told you. I'm not much of a... I wasn't much of a raw man as a kid. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't have cable. <laughs> and I guess there did come a point where he just stopped going off the top. Yeah. He got too old. But yeah, that was one of his signature moves. He would uh, come off the top and do a clothesline and roll. It was, like, really cool. Dang. So yeah, he hits that on test, and Landstorm tries to sneak in, but gets a choke slam instead. Regal goes for his brass knuckles, but Kane catches him in the act. Kane goes back to Landstorm and gets the victory for his team. The Americans win. It's like, wait, I thought, I could have swore you said the un-Americans win, and I was like, yeah, wait, wait, what? <laughs> no, they didn't. The Americans won, yeah. <laughs> and so now on this, uh... This episode of the podcast, I would like for us to all rise for the national anthem <laughs> <laughs> to celebrate with our comrades. No, no. Man, I mean, that's how it felt like. Every time I see the Americans and how all this is going, it really, it's like, <laughs> it's weird to say because it's like, that's not something to be nostalgic about, but it makes me nostalgic for all that post 9 11 patriotism. I just remember distinctly being a kid and just how, like, Nobody really argued much. Everybody was just like, thumbs up, yeah, America rules! Ah! I, was, I would say, before we move on, or before you go on your thing, I was going to say I, I did like uh, how JR, I think JR, because, um, you know, everybody was like doing the whole patriotism thing, and then there's anti-Americans who were like, boo! I liked how JR outright was saying he, re he refused to hate them and stuff. It's like, oh, that's nice. You know, refusing to hate differing opinions. That's that's very, very American. That's nice. Oh, I must have missed <laughs> that. That is that is pretty cool. Yeah, a, a good little JR touch. I liked it. The last thing I have here is it's good to see this version of Kane. This is probably my favorite version of Kane. Yeah, same here. He, he's like just tearing house. Really fun. Not like fun and like a, oh yeah, teehee, but like a, he's just real entertaining to watch. He just, uh, you know, an average guy, you know, blue collar, and just hanging out with the boys, that kind of guy. <laughs> we cut backstage to Stephanie pumping up Billy and Chuck for their match tonight. Stephanie says it's not a victory for her if they win, it's a victory for SmackDown. Billy cracks a joke about her potentially getting some HLA. <laughs> Something like, oh, Ansel, you don't have to make out with a lesbian on TV. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I know it's it was so hokey. <laughs> yeah, and then and then King was like, "Oh man, I don't know which is worse, uh, hot HLA or Stephanie's butt." <laughs> I know it was so. Oh my, oh my god. Oh my god, yeah. this whole thing, the whole HLA hot lesbian action for those who aren't educated, the whole angle is just gross. Like gross in an exploitative, weird, too far kind of way. You know, John Cena came out with a shirt that kind of mimicked the AWA logo. But it said HLR, and I thought it said HLA on it. I'm yeah. like, whoa! <laughs> like, back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're just pushing that really hard. WWE wrestling and hot lesbian oh action. Like, they were, they were treading on thin ice with that whole thing. But anyway, Chuck says, ultimately, Bischoff will has to have to kiss her butt. And she says, I like the sound of that. And where does Stephanie win in this? Because the whole stipulation is... If Stephanie wins, Eric has to kiss her butt, and if she loses, she performs HLA. Where does she win? 
I, I don't know. I mean, does she want her butt kissed? Is this a thing for her, or is this like a power thing? I mean, it's like with Vince McMahon, I get it. It's like, ah, I'm demeaning you. But with her, it's like, there's none of that. She doesn't have that much power. She is equal to him. Oh, no, please don't make me kiss your butt, you attractive woman. You know, it's like... I know. It's like, okay. It's not like you got to kiss Rikishi's butt. Well, or does he? (laughs) (laughs) Wink, wink. Mm -hmm. Jerry Lawler immediately calls it out, too. He says, either way, we win. Oh. oh my gosh. So up next we have the Intercontinental Championship match between Chris Jericho and Ric Flair. It's a rematch from SummerSlam. That's also kind of a theme here too. There's still the WWF logo on the IC title, but this time it isn't blurred oh. for some reason. Yeah, they probably just got lazy. I don't know, maybe it has something to do with like the production of like or the post production of both the shows. Like I, I honestly can't tell you why. You should just write, write, write WWE Network. Tell them, censor that F! Get the F out! <laughs> I saw it. You need to blur this one out. I found but it. Look, if you, it was like, Vince is like, if you find an F in any of our programs, give a, we'll, we'll give you a dollar. <laughs> I love your Vince McMahon impressions because it follows Vince McMahon logic. <laughs> that <laughs> sounds like something you can say. <laughs> Oh my gosh, but anyway. They lock up to start, and Jericho slaps Rick's chest, and Rick immediately responds with a slap to the face. Jericho scales the top rope and is met with a punch to the gut, which sends him into a front flip. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it was. I mean, this whole match, I, I like the lineup. I really like this, uh, this Rick. It's kind of like he's older, but like he's still got it, and he just kind of feels like the experienced like veteran type. Not the sad old man he became, like, in 2007. Right. <laughs> where, where every match was like, if you lose, you have to retire. <laughs> Which I find to be a funny stipulation. I know, but he's that's... an old man. I would have just stood outside the ring for ten seconds. It's the hardcore title for him. <laughs> hardcore title, you have to defend it 24-7. But... Ric Flair, if you wrestle a match and you lose, you have to lose. Honestly, like, thinking back on that, that is a weird stipulation, isn't it? I mean... It, yeah. It's like, were they just trying to imply that he just, he, he like, loves it so much? Or is it like, you know, you, you want money, don't you? <laughs> well, I do know this. Towards <laughs> towards the end of the podcast, we'll be able to talk more on it. Because, uh, like, honestly, I don't know off the top of my head. Because I didn't have cable, is what it was. I didn't have cable at the time of that whole storyline. But I, I do remember when I was able to watch it, like that was always a stipulation on his match. If he loses, he has to retire. And he just always squeaked out a win. And that's when we knew when he was facing Shawn Michaels, it was like, oh man, it's over. He's definitely going to lose. But of course, past kayfabe, you can kind of see those things like writing on the wall, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Jericho works him over outside with chops and meets him with a middle drop kick back in the ring. Jericho gets Flair in an abdominal stretch and tells everyone, He's the king of the world! <laughs> Flair starts fighting back. Yeah, weird. <laughs> Freaking king of the world. He's so weird. <laughs> oh, well, a side note, I really like Rick. Rick had, uh, he had these very purple boots on. They're pretty. I like them. <laughs> yeah, I thought they were kind of weird. But I'm glad that you like them. <laughs> they, they stood out. It was weird because he didn't have like, black trunks or something on. Usually people try to match him up, but they just weren't. He was just feeling a little purple that evening. 
He's, he's feeling cute. <laughs> so Ric Flair starts fighting back with chops. He sends Jericho into the top of the ring post and he goes flying out of the ring. Then he sends Jericho like careening into the steps. We get a corner knee from Flair, you know, where he kind of backs to the corner and does does a little knee to the face. And then he does then he does a middle rope version of that same move. I was like, dang man, this match is moving a lot faster than SummerSlam. Yes. So I'm I'm loving this match up to this point. Yeah, so far it's like real solid contest. Jericho fights back and misses a lion salt. And somewhere along the way, uh, Jericho pleads with Flair over his hurt leg. I forget, earlier in the match, he uh, he punched Jericho in the back of his leg. And I thought it was a low blow. So it's like, yeah, if you think about it, if he had punched his leg right there, it would have really freaking hurt. Yeah, I, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, so Jericho is just like, oh my gosh, please no more. And Ric Flair's like, all right, you know, I'll help you up. And uh, Jericho uh, comes from behind, does, puts him in the walls of Jericho, and Ric Flair taps out. Jericho's your winner. I really loved afterwards, after he got Rick to tap like a little jerk, uh, he just starts doing a little jig. Just <laughs> like, my knee was fine, stupid. Jericho's just so hokey at this point, and I, yeah. and I like him for that. Me too. I, it's not, it's not bad at all. It's just like he just plays it so over the top that you just can't help but love it. But I hated it as a kid. I just I could not stand Chris Jericho. I can't stand looking at his gross, like, little, little like, it's a combination, like, goatee neck beard thing. I, I've never liked it, but it really works for just being a bad guy because it just makes me hate him. <laughs> I liked this match. Uh, I thought it was better than the SummerSlam match, to be honest. But something about the ending just left me feeling empty. It to me, it felt like it just it was pushing like they were going to go even further. Like this didn't feel over to me. But as you'll see later, Rick comes back, and it just seems like they're starting something new with Rick. Like, is this it? Is this just the end of Jericho and Rick? Yeah, I believe so. That's it. Oh man, and that's really an unsatisfying ending. Like if I if they had one more match and like maybe Rick got over or something, then it'd be like, wow, that was that was a genuine, fun little trilogy. You know, each one was better than the last, but yeah, hmm, let me say that. Mm. Well, I do feel in the grand scheme of things that ultimately this tells or furthers a story in some sort of way. So for that, I appreciate it. But as an objective, like, you know, go back and look at a historical match. I wouldn't necessarily point you to this one you know yeah i guess yeah now you mention it in the grand scheme of things it helps drive the later point that like oh rick flair he's washed up he's nobody look at him he just lost what a big freaking loser his hair is white mine is fully colored he's lame (laughs) so we cut backstage to eb as chris jericho calls him eric bischoff hyping up three minute warning he drives home the fact that they're not just representing raw but him they're representing oh, Eric, yeah. Eric Bischoff. He assigns Rico to their corner. And Rico says he knows Billy and Chuck inside and out. Oh, oh, wait a minute. That's not what I meant. You know. <laughs> not like I'm homosexual. <laughs> he says, uh, Rose. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, are you going to explain Rico now? Uh, sure. Yeah. So Rico. Like I said, I don't, I don't get him. Like, I do not remember him. Even when I watched, got to watch Raw, I just don't remember this guy, this character. Like, what did he what was he about? So, 
So the whole thing with like uh, Billy and Chuck. So Chuck came over through. Let's just do a little quick retrospective. Billy and Chuck. Ooh. So <laughs> Billy and Billy and Chuck. Uh, they were a tag team formed. I I think late two thousand one, early two thousand two. Chuck came over through the uh, through the uh, not the draft, the invasion because Chuck was a WCW guy. They uh, got together because Billy Billy Gunn he was the one Billy Gunn. I don't know if you remember that persona or not. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't really too much now. But yeah, so Chuck was kicked out of the alliance, right? And so yeah. uh, he defected to WWF like right before all that ended. They were they were faced for a little bit, but after uh, that ended, they uh, became like this bad guy tag team, and so they just had this thing where like they were, you know, affectionate towards one another, and they were you know, oh, they might be gay, that kind of thing, and so they uh, kind of like started wearing the same sort of ring gear, and Chuck would like braid his hair and like pigtails and stuff, and so like oh man, they're pretty gay, and they <laughs> both bleached oh their God. hair. Um, also, and so there was this, uh, this guy Rico, he just, he came along and he was their like, um, consultant or like their stylist. They went on to win the tag titles, um, off of, um, I forget who it was, but they won the tag titles and like around WrestleMania 18, like they were just like the top heel tag team. And I remember being a kid, like I remember watching them a lot and just like, Ooh, I hate Rico. They're so you know, all of them, they're so good, but, like, they're bad, you know? And so, really, that's where Rico came from. And afterwards, um, you know, he turned on them with, like, this whole marriage thing. He started being with, like, three-minute warning. Three-minute warning wasn't around for too much longer. Yeah, you could say they were around for just three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a shame. They're actually pretty good. Here's the thing. Rico kind of takes a bit away. He goes on, on a little trip. And um, <clears throat> he becomes he comes back as uh, this very flamboyant and gay wrestler. Like he's wearing like this green singlet and he has face paint. And he's tiptoeing to the ring and spanking wrestlers and it's it's weird, man. It, like I don't know how he went from that to just that, you know? Because even when he was, you know, the personal status and everything, like we see in the show, like he's with you know, a couple girls and like, he's like, Oh, I want to get some action and stuff. So it's like, the implication is that he's not gay, but I guess somewhere along the way, they're just like, Oh yeah, we're going to make you gay, pal. <laughs> they're like, Hmm, we tried being edgy with sex with, uh, with gold dust, but we don't need to be ambiguous anymore. Let's just make somebody who's gay. Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> so yeah. Um, really the only thing he did in, in, on his own in his wrestling career was, he wasn't really on his own. He teamed with Charlie Haas, and they won the tag titles. And there was a the whole thing like, oh, don't come near me, man. You know, it's kind of like, I don't know. But that's that's Rico. That's Rico for you. Okay, well, uh, I guess uh, that, was, that was something. Basically, he just confirmed what I thought. He's just kind of eh. <laughs> exactly. I like his sideburns, though. He looks like a bona fide Butabi brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you notice our, our 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 downloads go down by one. Turns out Rico is a big fan. He doesn't listen to me. <laughs> Rico, if you're listening, you're welcome to join us anytime. Anyways, after that, they they, you know, he was like, oh, I know I'm inside now, and then they just started implying more 
about the lesbians. They had all the lesbians come in, right? Wasn't that next? More or less. Um, they're just like, Stephanie has to perform HLA, and they laugh. The I'm like, yeah! HLA, yeah! <laughs> and I said, and I have right here, honestly, this feels like the HLA era right now, as I said. Right <laughs> <here>. <laughs> the, get the F out and the HLA in. We got Shaquille O'Neal at ringside, uh, but not in the ring to fight Big Show, of course. Teehee. I hate how they tease that and nothing came from it. Whatever. I heard it was his fault, but anyway, we're not here to talk about Shaq. We're here to talk about <laughs> Eddie Guerrero versus Edge. Yeah. So, again, another SummerSlam rematch. I, I want to give this match a chance. I ended up not liking their, their SummerSlam match, so. Yeah, I didn't like that. This one I can say just, you know, before we get into it, that I, I liked it better. It was pretty entertaining. Me too, yeah. And they're doing this whole concussion angle, which makes me, like, mildly uncomfortable, but whatever. Yeah, I remember on SmackDown, Edge was, like, split open from Eddie, and Eddie's like, Look at Rikishi! Because they, like, they laid him out, and just blood is, like, all over his face. It looks so... It's so bad, yeah. Oh, man. Edge comes out with his rainbow tights. I thought they looked kind of neat, but kind of stupid too like i don't know that's just that's just half the stuff edge wore around this time yeah it's kind of good kind of stupid edge wastes no time and goes right after eddie eddie has none of it and keeps away from him <laughs> ed is arguing with the ref and eddie sneaks up behind him and tries to roll him up for a quick win a quick win for a quick kiss lol that's a that's a reference to all those prank videos on youtube i uh i will say um there's a crystal side note uh, I forgot. Whenever I took these notes, I'd actually watched half of this pay-per-view before uh, your wedding, and then I watched I watched the beginning kind of again just to make sure I was like completely caught up. My notes are accurate, but uh, I caught up with the rest later. But I forgot. Uh, Crystal watched the first half with me back then, and about Eddie Guerrero, she commented that he doesn't look Hispanic. He he looks like Joe Dirt's dad. She just could not get over his mullet. <laughs> And just how she just kept, like, pointing out, just like, I can't get behind that guy. It's just so gross. Are we ever going to get past his haircut? I think not. No. It just keeps coming up. Not until he shaves it. Whenever he gets that short hair, he looks golden. But that mullet, man. Well, no. To be fair, like, his, or if you go back, like, earlier days, he had, like, a bigger mullet. Like, the kind of, like, more proper poofy 80s mullet. And that looked fine. But right now, he's going for, like, the slick, wet, gross mullet. Man, this is nasty. Well, the thing is, as you might see this as the match goes on, like he loses like the water in his hair and uh, it gets mm-hmm. all like puffy and frayed out and it, it looks even worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, just like cut your hair, man. Cut your hair. Just cut it. it. He looks so good. He looks so good when you cut it. He looks so handsome. What, what would Vicky say, huh? Come on. Excuse me, cut your hair. That's what she's saying. Just, just side note. I know everybody is like, "Oh, Vicky. Oh man, I love to hate her. She was, she's one of the best, uh, uh, bad management personas ever. I hated her. I couldn't stand her. Like, I couldn't even love to hate her. I thought she was just grating. Whoa. It's my, it's my, uh, it's my hot take. Vicky Guerrero hot take. There you go. Ruthless aggression hot take. You heard it here first. Vicky Guerrero, grating. Kyle, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> but she seems like a, a nice person. 
like in real, IRL. I can say the crowd as this as this match went on seemed like to be way more into this than they did for the SummerSlam match. Yeah, I think so too. Like they weren't they weren't like blowing the roof off the place most of the time, but definitely you know when they when things started to pick up, people started to be like, hey, these guys can wrestle. Huh? Eddie leads him uh, on a chase around the ring and meets him with stomps back in the ring. Edge fights out and starts working him in the corner. Eddie fights back and starts working him in the corner as well. Eddie meets him with a beautiful tornado DDT. Michael Cole says Edge is three days removed from a concussion. <laughs> I know. At that point, I was like, "Oh, don't, don't ruin, don't ruin that. That DDT was cool. I don't want to think about that." <laughs> that's a that's a brain scrambler. <laughs> <laughs> that's a mind destroyer. That's a family murdering injury. That's a memory forgetter. <laughs> That's an eventual double murder suicide causer. Oh god, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to break that news to Stephanie this past week. I was like, "Do you see uh -huh. that right there?" Yeah, and she was like, Did "She not know about Kristen Wall?" No. Like even Crystal knew about Kristen Wall, and she just never watched wrestling. Yeah, Stephanie had no history like with her family like whatsoever about wrestling shows. She's learning a lot. She oh, learned. I think she I did. Think you she did you tell her much. before? Did you? I was gonna say, did you tell her before the match, or was she watching it, going, "Oh, that guy's pretty good." As soon as he came on TV, I'm like, "Uh, don't get too attached to him." <laughs> and I had the talk then, but um... oh. I was gonna say, everybody, everybody at one point has to have the Kristen Wall talk. Are we? I can't help it. I feel bad because it's like every freaking podcast, it's had Kristen Wall, and we always bring this up. <laughs> You can't help it. I know. You have to talk about it, I guess. After you gotta talk about it. Hopefully, hopefully after this one, the talks will go down. But, um... <laughs> Ten episodes later, we just have an entire episode dedicated to Chris Benoit. I have here noted, as they're in this long, gigantic rest hold, that Edge has nice teeth. I noticed the same thing. I thought the same thing when I saw it. They're all very straight. They're all very white. They're, they're incredible. Like, man, you must get like them professionally cleaned. Like, not like dentist professional. I mean, like, whitened. They're just gleaming. Dude, that's Oral-B right there, man. He's got that good stuff. <laughs> it's all Oral-B, baby. He don't, he don't mess with Crest. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Edge tries to fight out, but Eddie meets him quickly with a forearm to the face. Trying to ruin those perfectly pearly whites. Eddie starts taunting him and saying, Punch me. Come on. Punch me. And, like... Edge is punching at him, but, like, he's evading. Like, he's just toying with him at this point. Edge tries fighting back, and it infuriates Eddie. He viciously attacks him in the corner. He's just like, uh, uh. <laughs> Eddie's trying to, like, secretly slip off a turnbuckle pad as well, like, while they're, like, fighting in the corner. I was gonna, I was gonna say, how many times, how many times is removing a turnbuckle corner worked out well for a heel? Um, it's happened before. Um, I couldn't say off the top of my head, though. It doesn't happen that much. <laughs> it's kind of like if somebody, like, lays down thumbtacks. It's like, they're going through those thumbtacks, you know? <laughs> exactly. Whoever sets it up must go through it. Unless it's somebody like Sabu or somebody. <laughs> but even then, no. <laughs> no, I take that back, yeah. <laughs> I just want someone to, uh... To just, like, do all the things you do in a video game. Take off all the turnbuckle pads and just send them all through it. Just destroy this person. <laughs> it's kind of like our idea. Like, not give, not give them an inch. It's kind of like that idea that we had, uh, we talked about when you came up to Seattle. 
Uh, and I think we, <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. I think we ran over this on the last podcast too. But I'm just I'm just gonna lay it out there, just real quick. <clears throat> All right, everyone, this is my idea for um, a wrestler to start a new boom period in wrestling. And um, so just just picture this guy. You know, he's got long black hair and maybe a goatee, some sort of facial hair, and he's wearing all denim. And, you know, you got, like, Zack Ryder or someone out in the ring. <laughs> and uh, he just comes out and immediately, double leg takedown, kicks him in the balls ten times. And someone like Jerry's like, oh, what's, what's he doing? What's he doing? Uh, hey, oh, what's, what's he doing? And just, like, he grabs the mic, says two words. And he's like, wrestling's fake. <laughs> Slams down the mic. It's like, he's... He's defecating all over our great sport. And just for weeks afterwards, he's just doing the same thing. Like, oh, come on, it's this guy again. He's kicking him in the balls. It's like wrestling. <laughs> wrestling's fake week after week. And so, like, you know, then the next week, you know, have, have him take on someone like Seth Rollins or somebody. And it's like, oh, he's t- he has a challenge tonight. That that degenerate, he's, he's, he's got a match made up for him. And so he tries to do the same thing to Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins catches his leg and he's like, "No, wrestling's real." <laughs> or, or, or he has a he has a cup and he just like feigns getting hit in the kicked in the balls and then he gets up and like uh, knocks him over or something, reverses it. That's a good idea too. But yeah, that that's my idea for uh, a, a new wrestler that would just really spark interest. <laughs> it makes me wish the two K games still had a creative finisher. I would just make that character. <laughs> And create a storyline. <laughs> but yep. anyway. Oh, man. So Edge starts firing up with clotheslines. Edge hits Eddie's crotch, and Taz calls it. He says, right in the Tostitos. Oh, my. <laughs> I didn't catch that. Edge hits an Edge-O-Matic for a near fall. He tries to run up the ropes, and Edge catches him with a powerbomb. Uh, Eddie, Eddie, that is. He tries to run up the ropes. That was That was really cool. Edge gets Eddie on his shoulders and tries to plant him on the turnbuckles. Eddie says, ha, nice try. And uh, as he turns around, Edge tries to spear him and almost gets sent into the buckles. He stops, <gasps> but he stops. He stops short and plants Eddie with an Edge uh, execution. Too many Edge-named moves. Mm-hmm. It's funny that like his finisher is called the spear. They should have just called it like the razor's edge, but that's already been done, though. It's like Razor Moan, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I guess they're like, damn it, we already used that one. <laughs> so he goes for the pin, and Eddie gets his foot on the rope before the three count. Edge misses a uh, missile drop kick. Eddie goes back to the turnbuckle, and uh, he tries to expose, and he gets rammed into it. Edge like tries to like take advantage of it. He uh, tries to go up top with Eddie, but Eddie reverses it, and he slams Edge's face into the exposed steel. So there is your question answered. It worked out for the heel. Sunset flip off the top, handful of tights, Eddie wins. So, you know, as someone who wasn't a big fan of Edge at this time, I, I'm glad to see him lose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, over, overall, I gotta say, I thought, uh, I think I, I accidentally wrote this twice, I think, but man, in this match, like, they're a really good matchup, at least in this match, yeah. Like, I guess they just got together and said, hey, the last one kind of was eh, let's just make it good, and it was, it was fun. Well, remember that was the whole thing. Like, um, Edge wasn't sure he could trust Eddie. You know what, with his drug addiction and everything. And so I felt like after the last match, he's like, "Yeah, I can trust you. Let's be friends." And so we got something better this time. 
So again, I think this is the theme tonight. Apart from HLA, that is. Um, <laughs> cut backstage. Yeah, that's the ever-present theme. Cut backstage to Triple H going to the Raw locker room. He confronts RVD before their match. That RVD has no passion or desire, and um, that's why he's so calm. And I, and I wonder, like, is that true? Like, is RVD that complacent? Like, is this the writers, like, you know, writing things out? Is this how Vince really feels, you know? You know, honestly, like, think about it. Because <laughs> there's a few other times where they just kind of, like, slightly rip on RVD. Like, the dude's so popular with the fans that, like, you really can't tell too much. But there are some times. But I know RVD is, like, capable of, like, you know, evoking emotion. I remember watching, um, I got ECW One Night Stand on DVD, uh, 06, and it, mm-hmm. and it came with, uh, yeah. I think it was Barely Legal, like their first ever ECW pay-per-view. Yeah. And RVD was doing this whole thing of like, you know, I'm going to go elsewhere, I'm going to be worth more money, I'm going to do all this stuff because I'm freaking good. I'm like, oh dang, RVD can freaking cut a promo. But like in WWE, what's the definitive RVD promo? Like, where did he just like stand out and shine on the mic? I don't know. I guess they just really want him to push the whole, like, I don't care, I'm a cool guy, smoke marijuana. But they just didn't let him just be completely him, you know, if that makes sense? Like, they, they were like, you're cool, you got colors, just be fun time color boy, you know? <laughs> fun time color boy, there you go. Because, like, everything RVD, everything that came out of his mouth tonight was just, it just felt so hokey and lame. Like, like all just, like, lame high school drama stuff, you know? Right? It's like he never took Triple H seriously. It's like he did, but, like, when he tried to play it cool, it just sounded really dorky. Yeah. Maybe it sounded cool back then. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? But I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I'm like, I'd rather associate with the loser than a winner like you, loser boy. He scolds Ric Flair, that is Triple H, who's sitting close by, and he says he doesn't have passion. He calls them both losers. I'd never form a stable with you, old man. RVD says he'd rather be with him than an alleged winner like him. (gasps) So now we have an interpromotional match between Billy and Chuck versus the three-minute warning. Tell you, JR and King in for a treat call to make Triple H RVD matchup. But coming up, it's Jamal and Rosie against Billy and Chuck. So much on the line. Now remember, if Billy and Chuck win, Eric will have to kiss Stephanie's derriere. But if Rosie and Jamal win, the raw side, Stephanie, well, she has to perform a little HLN. And this all began with the commitment ceremony between Billy and Chuck.
After a match between Rey Mysterio and Billy Gunn, where Billy lost, an angle is started, and you, and you may remember this, where Chuck asks Billy to be partners for life. He pulls out a ring, and Rico asks him to get down on one knee, and the crowd boos the mess out of it. And so they're getting married next week on SmackDown. <laughs> Devon runs down the, the whole gay marriage segment with Billy and Chuck and says, It's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. And I'm like, whoa, this is kind of crazy to see all this, actually. Michael Cole refers to the Billy and Chuck thing as the first same-sex marriage in the WWE. So, just with the go-home shows and all, I just want to say Rico defects after the gay... Sorry. I don't want to say the gay marriage. It's like, it's like, that's what they're implying, but they're not saying it. It's just, yeah, it's such an awkward angle. No, they are saying that. They say the same, the first same-sex marriage. Uh, did they marriage. bluntly say it? They didn't say the gay marriage. They said the same-sex marriage. First same-sex marriage. Like, outright. Like, are they implying that... Like, I thought they were just implying that... I mean, this sounds like something like you would hear like in an old movie. Like, I thought they were just really good friends. You know? <laughs> I thought they were just implying that Billy and Chuck were just like really, really close friends. And that the joke was, it's like they're gay. And everybody was like, oh, it's funny, two dudes kissing, isn't that silly? Well, here's the thing. Originally, that was supposed to be it. However, um, this was like, Rico tried to pull this whole thing together um, just as a publicity stunt so that they could get more eyes and attention on them, I guess is what the payoff was. So, like... So, like, Chuck was like, I have these feelings, and, like, let's get married. And so, like, they were all in on it. Um, and so they have like this whole thing on SmackDown. They have this marriage ceremony, and so apart from them, everyone believes that this is a same-sex marriage. And the the thing is, they put their ring on, on their right hand, their right hand ring finger, as like this is the anti-marriage. So it's a, it's it's a little weird. They didn't outright say it, but that's how I took it. Um. So, yeah, they have this whole thing, and they're like, do you say I do? Yes. Do you say I do? Yes. And the the whole minister's like, the power vested in me. He's like, wait, 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 we're not gay. Well, you know, this is, whole thing was a stunt. And so they get attacked by three-minute warning, and that kind of sets up their match for Raw, or Unforgiven, rather. They get attacked by three-minute warning because they are gay, and they're, like, angry if they're making a mockery of it. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, anyway. <laughs> I've been watching all the Raws and Smackdowns leading up to this, and I wanted to say, like, I liked this package. However, up to, <laughs> up to this point, I'd already seen it a billion times. <laughs> like, this was, this was all over. And if you check out our Twitter, at RuthlessPod, you'll see the, the New York Times post uh, picture uh, that featured Billy and Chuck talking about their their same sex marriage wedding, and <laughs> so if you wanna you wanna check that out, go to our Twitter. <laughs> I have here three minute warning entering with a different song other than their their good song. I, it was just a rap song, I guess, but um, it was all right. And I have Rosie with a freaking Eddie George Titans jersey. So shout to the Titans. What's up, man? Woo. Of course, all the logos are. Uh, are marked out though. 
so to start the match, we have uh, Billy sending Umaga over the ropes to, uh, to to begin. Chuck is dealing with Rosie on the ropes while they're rolling around, and Rico sneaks in a little kick. Rosie takes advantage with a back body drop. Uh, my wife <laughs> my wife says that he's dressed like a really big fifth grader, <laughs> and it's so true. He's wearing he's wearing jean shorts. But they're cargo jean shorts. Like, they're they're the worst. They have pockets on the side. Yeah, I mean, overall, like, I like 3-Minute Warning. They seem tough. But this whole, like, this this was just kind of eh. I really did not give a crap about this whole match. That's why you didn't hear anyone talk about it. I was like, oh, I wonder how 3-Minute Warning did in their debut. No one ever talked about it. Yep, I mean, the whole time, all I can really remember was them super pushing Hot Lesbian Action. And... Uh, that's it. <laughs> Here's what really befuddled me, though. When I saw Rosie and Chuck, like, in the ring, Chuck was bigger than Rosie. Rosie was just fatter. I thought I thought it looked really strange, because, like, Bill, or Chuck is just, like, this real muscular guy, and he's really tall, and he's just, he's bigger than Rosie, but, like, he has to play over that Rosie's, like, this monster. And Rosie was a big guy, and he was a monster, but, like, in comparison to the two, Chuck no, would Chuck not. would beat him down. Totally. Well, that's 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 wrestling for you. So Jamal works Chuck over with kicks, and Rosie freaking no sells hits from Chuck, and I think that is just so dumb. Well, how else is he gonna look strong, Levi? You have to put over your opponent. Like, jeez, dude. And you know, say what you will about Chuck Palumbo, but he definitely outlasted both of them in the company. Mm-hmm. See, I, I, I don't know. I hate, I, I hate whenever somebody like gets hit, and they're trying to do a thing where he doesn't sell it to be like, oh, whoa, he's intense, he's strong. It's like, at the very least, just show that you kind of felt that you got hit. It just doesn't phase you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, show that you have vulnerability because sooner or later someone's gonna go over on you. Yeah, because I watched something recently where I know it was like a matchup between two guys, and the, like the whole point was like, oh, this other guy. He's, He's crazy and, and intense, and uh, like they're kind of trading blows. And whenever he hit him, like he would not flinch at all. It just it, it didn't look like whoa, he he's not even feeling it. It looked like wow, that guy is just he's just not giving him an inch, is he? Oh man, I remember this really old match. It's great Antonio versus Antonio Anoki. It's just this big fat guy who doesn't look at any shape at all. No cells, Antonio Anoki and. And Inoki is like one of the greatest wrestlers in Japanese wrestling history. And he gets frustrated and starts wailing on him for real. It's so funny. It's just like, dude, you're not that good. Like, you're not as good as you think you are. <laughs> like, sell my freaking offense. But that's the thing. Like, sooner or later, it's going to catch up to you. So you, you need to show that you're vulnerable. And um, I feel like 3-Minute Warning doesn't do that in that match. So... There's a Rico's Gay chant that breaks out. I don't know if you caught that one or not. Yeah, yeah, I, I did. <laughs> My wife's like, what are they saying? I'm like, um, Rico's gay. <laughs> Rosie goes for a moonsault, and I freaking gasped at that. Like, that looked like it could have been really bad. Mm -hmm. uh -uh. It's like, I'm trying to remember this stuff. It's just, I really didn't care about this match. Right. Like, I tried. I tried watching it. It just didn't do anything for me. I mean, I liked how powerful 3-Minute Warning looked, 
they seem cool, but I mean, obviously nothing came from them, so I just, I just wasn't really all that invested. It was so short too. Mm-hmm. But I have here uh, Billy Gunn comes in with a hot tag and brings in a major drop kick to Rosie. He chases off Rico and turns Jamal inside out with a major clothesline, which looked really cool. It's that same spot that like Rikishi does, like when he gets clothesline, just like does all these flips in midair. So it must be like a Samoan thing. Billy uh, goes to head out or headbutt both of them, but they stop it and bring a double headbutt to him. Whoa! Which I always I, I remember that spot. It's just kind of weird. It's like I'm gonna headbutt him, and then it's like, oh no, you're not, Tee-hee. No, I am. <laughs> I always think it's awkward. It's like our heads or necks are suddenly more stiff than yours. Jamal goes for a top rope splash, but the ref is distracted and Chuck throws him off the top. I swear, the ref the ref has been distracted every match so far. Yeah, I know. That's like a recurring recurring thing tonight. Either they're just very distracted or they get hit and they just like, oh, like more so than usual. Nothing has been squeaky clean, like at mm-hmm. all. After Rosie brings Billy down, Chuck meets him with a super kick and is immediately met with one from Jamal. Jamal attempts to send Billy up with a pop-up Samoan drop, but is met mid-air with a Famouser, and it looks so cool. It's like it's like the thing in this match. We're still talking about three-man, three-minute warning and Billy Chuck. Yes. Okay, sorry, I got distracted because I found that great Antonio versus Antonio Noki. <laughs> okay. And man, yeah, like that great Antonio guy, he's just not giving him anything. And it's funny because by the end, Inoki's just like, it's freaking do something! And gets to the point where he gets him on his knees and kicks him in the face. Oh my gosh. That's yeah, he, great. He just busted open, like, from his nose. Man, what an idiot. <laughs> Jeez. Anyways, continue, sorry. Side thing, you should look up the, uh, uh, the match where Vader's eyeball pops out. Oh, no. I've seen screens from that. That is disgusting. <laughs> I, I don't know if I could stomach that. <laughs> I was watching like a, like a What Culture video or something, and they mentioned that, and Crystal's with me, and she was just like, oh! <laughs> it's so gross. <laughs> Rico comes in and is caught with a punch to the face. Uh, Rosie catches Billy from behind, and a no-selling Jamal meets him with a Samoan drop. <laughs> Three-minute warning, pick up the victory. Yay. I didn't like this match. <laughs> yeah. Eh. It was, it was, eh. It was lame. Whatever. Everybody just wanting HLA. Bring out the lesbians. That's, that's it. What, what else could you say? <laughs> you know? The short, the short thing is, if you remember three-minute warning and don't remember their pay-per-view match being talked about, this is why. They didn't know how to sell very well. The end. And it's not even like a powerhouse selling no-sell situation where they kind of like flinch their head and then look at them like, it didn't hurt me much. It's like, just bad, period. Yeah, like they have talent, which, you know, like they they could be something. But they, I feel like they were just too green. So we cut immediately backstage to Eric Bischoff, the coach, and three lesbians. (laughs) Oh, oh, oh. He's gloating because Stephanie has to perform HLA. Coach asks if he's considered who he's going to send out for her, considering he's got such a great selection right here. So gross. It's so gross. Eric says, which one of you lovely lesbians want to perform HLA with Stephanie McMahon? And they're all like, ooh, me, me, me. They all start screaming, Like, it's not even attractive. Like, they're just screaming bloody murder. (laughs) 
<laughs> and he's like, whoa, 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 take it easy. And they're like, like, whoa, ah. calm down. No. And they start punching him. And the camera follows him. They're just tearing through the office. Where is she? Where is she? <laughs> oh my God. Kurt Allen comes out. What's going on? They just pick him up like it's nothing and just break him in half. <laughs> hey, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Lesbians gone dark. Anyways. Oh my gosh! <laughs> that's, that's, that's that's all. That, that's all that happened. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. Okay. Yeah, Practice podcast, practice podcast, doing the noises that we do on the show. Doing the noise we do on the show. Boo or goo, coming up soon. You don't know what to do. So if you like those types of shenanigans, but you need to listen to my show with that guy over there. Alex and that guy over there. Jake, it's my show with Alex and Jake, the flagship show of the Red Arrow Network, everywhere podcasts are available. So nice to see you again. Our procedures have been flawless. What can I do for you this time? I'm feeling a little uneven. Perhaps we should consider a reduction. World Wrestling Entertainment. Get the F out. Let's see how we did. Oh, my. So, what do you think? Oh, doctor. The world of pleasure place. Cherish life and never waste. Everyone loves a sunshiny day. We're gonna keep it that way. Let's clean is better than dirty. And dirty's meaner than clean. Let's all lend a helping hand. Mario can't do it alone. He'll spray his water to fly around and clean the sludge that's on the ground. Let's clean is better than dirty. And dirty's meaner than clean. Super Mario Sunshine, only for Nintendo GameCube. Ready for everyone. In the pre-package... They show all the champions who've won, worn the belt. And I was surprised that they included Sting and Chris Benoit. Yeah. Like, oh, look at all these prestigious champions. Are you able to keep up with them, douchebag? I know, just someone who was not signed at all. I felt like I felt like this promo said a lot, too, and that they felt RVD was just, like, too complacent, even though he's capable, you know, stuff already said. Earl Hebner shows RVD the belt, and RVD put it on to be goofy. RVD uh, works over Triple H to start out. Triple H responds by pulling his hair uh, and bringing him down to the mat. Jerry asks if RVD's dad was a movie star. <laughs> and JR says, his dad is no, not. No, I, I, actually, I actually wrote this down. I actually wrote it down. He asked, isn't his dad famous? No, his dad is not Jean-Claude Van Damme. I was thinking more like Cheech or John. <laughs> okay, He's always smiling. <laughs> like, just like heavily implying <laughs> that's like, oh, he's because marijuana. But like, they just weren't saying it. Like, they're just ribbing him really hard. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> no, I meant Cheech and John. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, RVD asks for water at Mark's mom. Dad, come on. RVD asks for a bottle of water at Mark's Triple H's water spot. 
and he did a pretty good job. Yeah, he did. I thought it was funny because afterwards it's like a big face close up of Triple H, and he's just like, "Oh, mother frooper!" Drops a big old f bomb. I thought that was funny. And everyone in the audience gasps, are like, oh, and he's like, "Yeah, I said it, the f word." And I they're like, the "I can't f. believe he said that." I'm sorry, folks. We gotta stop the show. We're, we're, we greatly apologize. He just got the black. No, no, no. Keep the cameras on. The f word. Oh my god. Triple H, you get the F out! Now. Get the F out! No, I'm gonna bring the F back. <gasps> <laughs> the F word. No. <laughs> they performed some uh, great chain wrestling, and RVD hits a back leg sweep, which I felt legitimately took Triple H off guard. Because <laughs> he's just like, mm-hmm. whoa, whoa, and just kind of falls backwards. I noticed that too, yeah. He just kind of. It was it wasn't like a like a like oh I'm taking it. It just seemed like it just fell over. Like oh, it was good though. It was really cool. Yeah, to see someone who could like legitimately do one, like it was a really cool move. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had really good back and forth in this match. And I gotta say, like RVD, hit you know all the backstage stuff with him has been really lame. And yeah, kind of retrospect, it seems like maybe they're just kind of like ripping on him for complacency or just like you just like to stand around and smoke marijuana. But uh, he's actually really good at what he does, like, in ring. Not just with moves, but, like, uh, I, I like that they kind of... It just seemed like he was playing, like, kind of like head games Triple H, you know? Like, Triple H, you know, he's like this big, mm-hmm. muscly, intimidating guy. And uh, he's just trying to just put, like, the fear of God in him. But RVD just isn't having, having any of it. And it's like, you can just tell in the looks on Triple H's face. Like, he's actually mildly concerned that... Rob Van Dam just isn't scared of him that much. I thought that was just really cool. It just got me more into it. That's a good point. And I feel like um, that definitely does show like within the match, at, like as it goes on. Mm-hmm. Because Triple H is like trying to pull out all the stops and just can't. Yeah. Because, I mean, RVD in the end, spoiler alert, Kinga, he didn't get the win. But, I mean, they still made him look incredibly capable. Exactly. He technically did have the win. It's just not officially. Yeah. Technically. Cause that wacky old triple H. <laughs> Remember that good, good, like a uh, good, good few couple months whenever they just started referring to him only as wacky old triple H. <laughs> Making his way to the ring, that wacky old triple H. But it's like announced, like <laughs> <laughs> it's announced though, like in like a two K game. On his way to the ring. Yeah. Wacky. wacky. Oh, triple. Triple eight. eight. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's more like this. <laughs> wacky. Oh, triple ace. <laughs> <laughs> that that wacky old triple ace. <laughs> <laughs> Darn you, 2K. Give us more options. <laughs> so, <laughs> God, so stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so RVD goes for <laughs> Oh god Why do I keep laughing at this <laughs> Wacky old triple H <laughs> Wacky old triple H <laughs> He just wears like a glasses Like pair of fake glasses With a big nose and mustache It's like where's triple H Oh it's <laughs> me I'm wacky Wacky old triple H 
I mean, he gets he gets the he gets the big nose glasses, but like it's small compared to his nose, so it's kind of like it's very obvious. <laughs> God, <is> so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, whew. just gotta breathe. Just gotta breathe. <laughs> just, I'm just imagining like old Kane, like whenever he like still like. Did like the voice little buzzer, like I'm coming for you, wacky Triple H. And he just we got to call WWE. We got to make we got to make this the new oh, canon. They just got to go retcon this all. They got to redub it. They can redub themes. They can redub lines. Everybody's got to call him wacky Triple H. Someone, someone <laughs> upload this to to uh, Community Creations. We got to see it. Oh my gosh, man. Oh my gosh. I just randomly thought of Kane getting on his voice buzzer and doing like the Mario Party <laughs> cut lines. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, 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 anyway. I've been laughing too long. I freaking wacky on RVD goes for a somersault plancha and misses Triple H, and it looks so bad. Oh, yeah. Ouchies. I saw that, man. It just landed, like, straight on his back. I know. Like, I, I wrote that I wrote that down, actually, and I just put ow in big letters. I put, actually, looking at it, I put ow. Sorry, RVD. <laughs> and I just believed it when he sold his back, because it probably really hurt. <laughs> yeah, ugh. I know, it's like that tailbone landing, man. Ouchie. Dude, he he doesn't make the ten count like back into the ring too. Like Yeah, they just kinda fu- they just kinda fudged it. No, like you know the refs like count you know, doing the count out thing. And when he gets to ten mm-hmm. I guess it's fair enough though. Yeah, and JR says he caught a break from Hebner. Like just called it out. Some refs are different, you know, like you know, sometimes there's just disqualification in a match and Earl Hebner's like not called it. Like, that's happened before. <gasps> I guess that, you know, it's a pay-per-view match, you know? There should be a winner in, in the world title match. So, I guess that's where he was going with it. Triple H sends him into the steps after the big plancha. And he brings him back in for some closed fist punches. Oh, jeez. Triple H attempts a vertical suplex, but is reversed into a roll-up pin by RVD. They roll around the announce table, and Jerry says, watch out for Taz. I kind of like that <laughs> little continuity. Back in the ring, Triple H meets him with a high knee, and it was really good selling from RVD. It just looks so fast. Triple H climbs to the top rope to mock RVD, but he is caught with a kick and is sent flying across the ring. Whoa, is that an airplane? That's, that's sound of... No, I just have a soundboard. That's supposed to be like him flying. No, it is an airplane. We live by... See, I didn't know you lived by the airport. So yeah, Triple H climbs to the top to mock RVD, but he's caught with a kick and is sent flying across the ring. Triple H goes for the, that sleeper hold that we were talking about, and like it's been put over on Raw as like a deadly move, but it must not last very long. Uh, yeah. I noticed a man in the front row has a sign that says, Time to turn the game off. <laughs> <gasps> he's, he got him. I, I, I saw a sign that made me really laugh because it brought me back to that period. 
It was just a sign that said Blue Pepsi sucks, and I, I laughed really hard at that because, yeah, I Dude, hated Pepsi Blue. If I had saw that, that would have had heat with me. I freaking love Blue Pepsi. Pepsi Blue. Whatever. Dude, that was my drink back in the day. I distinctly remember um, around the time, I remember like it was like late at night one time, I was like 11 in 2002, I think, and um, some guy came over, I think it was like a relative or a friend, my stepmom's, I don't know, it doesn't matter, but he came over and he had Pepsi Blue, and it just intrigued me, because it was so vibrant and bright, and I was like, what is that? He was like, oh, it's uh, Pepsi Blue, I like it, it's tasty. And so I'm like thinking about it for weeks, I finally try it, and it is garbage. It just tastes like really bad bl Dude, blueberry Sprite. It was awful. That makes me sad. You what, you love Pepsi Blue? I did, man. I did. You suck. They still make it in, like, Indonesia. Really? That's weird. Maybe in ten years whenever, like... I know like... that because I looked for it. <laughs> in ten years, whenever, like, 2000s nostalgia comes in full force, then they'll probably bring it back, like Crystal Pepsi. And Skittles Gum. Oh, man, Skills Gum was good. I mean, it wasn't great, but it was good. I'm glad Sour... very long. Are Sour Skittles still around? Those are always my favorite. Yes. Yes. And Vanilla Coke, man. Vanilla Coke's just classic. Heck, yeah. It was gone for a bit, but it's back for the most part. You can find it in cans, not in two liters, but I'm just glad it's still around. Yeah, they have it in cans and gas station. You can get it in a bottle. Anyways, this has been the uh, Soda and Candy Podcast. <laughs> Freaking loser. Get on with it. <laughs> The Coke cast. Coke cast, <laughs> yeah. Heck yeah, I would so do that. Let's, let's do a spinoff, Coke cast. Coke cast, we just, oh, anyway. we, we just drink Coke, Coca-Cola. Mm. Anyways, are we at the end of the match yet? No. He does a hand, <laughs> RBD does a handspring version of Rolling Thunder that looks really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, did look cool. He does a... He's, he pretty much just starts firing up. He does a monkey flip to Triple H, and it's followed by shoulder thrust in the corner, and then a fall away drop kick, and then he meets him with an actual rolling thunder. And I have your RVD is just really bringing it to Triple H. Uh, he tries to escape, but is met with a top rope suicide dive. Dude, RVD is so cool. <laughs> I know, man. He was on like top form in this. Like this really was like a championship match. In every sense of the word. I agree. RVD comes off with a top, off the top with a single leg kick. Irish whip to Triple H, but he responds with a face buster like to the knee. Oh, jeez. He then inadvertently shoves the ref out of the ring. RVD, like, a, a more referee mumbo-jumbo. RVD gets an unofficial three count. He reverses the pedigree into a catapult. Five-star frog splash to Triple H, and JR puts it over by saying, he couldn't kick out of that if he wanted to. Low blow to RVD, and Triple H looks under the ring and finds his sledgehammer. Oh, he uses it. He just, like, uh, lays him down and then just, like, sledges his head, just bashes it right open, kills him in the end. RVD kicks the sledgehammer into Triple H's face. So by all counts, Triple H should have lost this match. But... Ric Flair comes out. He picks up the sledgehammer and is sizing up Triple H, but nails RVD. It's a heel turn. Watch out, everyone. <laughs> oh, no! Pedigree to RVD, and Triple H retains the title. And JR yells, kick out during the duration of the count, which really put it over, too. Mm-hmm. So, I thought it was an all right match. Not the best, but yeah. it was all right. 
it was perfectly fine. It was good. I mean, I think RBD really shined here. It made him look really good, but in the end, just like the finish, I think kind of made it just a little less impactful. I mean, did, did they get a rematch? Like, do they go for it again, or is this just kind of it? I think this is his only title match, and it, like, correct me if I'm wrong, and but until like one night stand. That's what I was thinking. And that's the case, and that's kind of you know, it's whatever. That's so long. This is so weird. WWE's history with RBD, like they love him, but at the same time, they just don't really want to give him anything. They have never seen him anything more than a mid carder. Yeah. Other thing is, like I, you know, I mean, he's not mid. He's just mid card by circumstance, not really by ability. You know. Sure. Yeah. I'd say mm -hmm. that. Because he's always so great. Like every, like every time he comes out, even today, if he were just to come out and be like, "Hey guys, I'm, I'm doing another run," everybody would just lose it for him. I mean, I don't think now he'd be you know, top of the card material, just because, you know, time, he's not quite so fresh, even though he still can move, but, you know, just how it is. So moving forward, we uh, are backstage to, of all people, D'Lo Brown and Billy Kidman. Yeah, this is whole weird, this is a very weird segment. This made no sense. <laughs> None at all. <laughs> but uh, D'Lo is explaining to Billy Kidman that, you know, the match we just watched, like, that's why they call him the dirtiest player in the game. Then some old guy from The Young and the Restless comes up, and for some inexplicable reason, like, he's there. D'Lo says, hey, you're Victor Newman. Because he and, would just um, know that. I watch Young and the Restless all the time, man. <laughs> Looking at the real my deal now. My grandma watched a lot of Young and the Restless, and I, and I must say, and I'm only saying this because I love the song, uh, the music really, uh, I really caught my attention. Like, I thought the show was boring as heck, but, like... Whenever I was at my grandma's house watching, and she was watching Young and the Restless, I'd be like, yeah, that theme song. It's like five seconds long, but that theme song. I, I could not tell you. I'm familiar with it, Lee, I'm sorry. Well, just listen back to this cast, and you'll you'll hear a little snippet of it at the end. That was <laughs> really anyway. weird. Yeah, I was going to say, just to kind of, because I remember this vividly, so I, I can help you out in this instance. Okay. They just kind of go on. D-Lo's like, hey, you ever hook up with any of them? Fine, ladies, as fine as you are on the TV. And he's like, in like the lowest voice possible, he's like, Oh man, that really sucks. And then like, hot lady comes out and it's like, hey, old man from a soap opera, let's go party. Okay, I'll see you later. You know? <laughs> Not just any hot lady, Don Marie. Yeah, I, I knew it was somebody. I can't remember her name. <laughs> you just forget after a while. Yeah. Old Don like, Marie, the classic. The only thing I want to say is that Dale says, Hey, you're Victor Newman. And uh, I thought that he, like, screwed it up. Like, I was like, oh, he didn't get his name right. But uh, he used his gimmick name. That's his name in the show, Victor Newman. <laughs> so it wasn't even the actor, it was just the character? No, 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 no. He says, hey, you're Victor Newman. I mean, Eric Braden from Young and the Restless. Oh, okay. Why was oh, this man. on pay-per-view? That's what got me. It's like, oh, this will resonate with the, the hip young crowd of the WWE soap opera, man. <laughs> it's like, it would make sense if they were using this like in an angle, but they, they weren't. It was just there. I know. That's so strange. So anyway, let's move on. <laughs> At... Up next, we have probably the most uncomfortable match of the night. Not for the actual match, but for the commentary. 
it's the women's championship between Trish Stratus versus Molly Holly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, from the gate, JR says, Molly was a power lifter in high school. And Jerry says, I was a swimmer. I could have shown her my breaststroke. Ew. Yeah, breaststroke just got moving. <laughs> that's gross. And now I have this image of Jerry. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> that's the main thing I took away from it. The commentary ruined this match because it was actually really good. I mean, it felt rushed because, you know, they just don't want to give women that much time on a big pay-per-view like this. But overall, yeah. it was really great. But, man, that commentary was gross. And that's the thing. The commentary actually like distracted me so much that I couldn't pay attention to the match. Yeah, they, either they talked about the Ric Flair heel turn, or they just were just talking about how the women looked in boobies and all this stuff. Exactly. Like I have here, like they tie up to start, and like Molly's like they're like doing this like great wrestling, and Trish is like almost on the ground, and she like kips up and like starts like fighting her back. I'm like that was so good, but it was missed by commentary because they were too busy talking about virginity and stuff like yeah like most all like the big moments were completely missed i can only think of two that where they actually commented and one of them was only because they did a replay another one they just made another sex joke yeah unrelated but like jr is talking about the world heavyweight title match and first direct flair is middle-aged and jerry says how many 100 year old middle-aged men do you know <laughs> which i thought was pretty funny that's <laughs> funny it's like Jerry's pot meat kettle, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't see you wrestling, Chris Jericho, for the title. But anyway, Jerry, I have here, Jerry makes it hard to pay attention. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Molly slams Trish's face on the steps. Uh, yeah, that was that was really cool. Admittedly, Jerry said one line that did make me chuckle, and he's talking about where, you know, Unforgiven is being broadcasted, and he says... Even in the Virgin Islands, home of Molly Holly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, <that> <laughs> and it's like, there's a bunch of like cringy sex puns and stuff, but when he had jokes, sometimes sometimes they could be zingers. Mm -hmm. They bring it back to the ring, and Trish attempts an inside cradle, but to no avail. Trish goes for a roll-up and is then met with a drop into the ropes. So like she kind of brings, kind of like a 619 setup. I didn't really know what to call it. Anyway. Trish, however, gets one up on her with a bulldog. Whip to Trish, and Trish responds with a chick kick. Trish attempts satisfaction, but Molly catches her leg and ties her in the tree of woe, which is a really cool spot. Mm -hmm. Molly does an awesome handspring uh, to the tree of woe. And uh, to finish the match, Trish does like the... I forget what it's called, but like Rey Mysterio does it. Like she... Wraps her legs around their waist and comes up and into a bulldog, and that's what wins the match. I can't remember what that's called. I know. I. 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 I and the thing is, I've actually just seen that move recently and went. I forgot that's what it's called. I can't remember what it's called now. Darn you! Darn you for not remembering. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Kermit the Frog. <laughs> so that was. I was just doing a voice. Yeah. There was there there was a moment whenever um. I think Molly was uh, in the corner and like Trish was running at her and she kind of just like jumped up and kicked her kind of in the chest and uh, King or yeah King was like oh no right in the puppies no and <laughs> freaking JR responds with yeah 
Yeah, that'll bruise up up. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. I was just like, oh no, Chandler, oh, please. Crystal's actually Crystal's actually watching me with want not watching me watching it with me at this point because uh, I watched it like earlier and she was just like, ugh. I honestly the whole match she was just like, ugh, you know. Yeah, and right here I have I hated the perception of this match. So like on that note, it's like you have this match that you know Molly Holly and Trish, two of the greatest women wrestlers ever, are just like being totally overshadowed by a bunch of sex jokes and all that it really sucks and i hate it too because like like i said it just takes away from the enjoyment of the match because that's like all you can just it's you're completely distracted by it because the commentary is supposed to help get you into the match when all you're talking about is titties and stuff it's like it takes away especially because like you know i had to explain because you know it was the non-stop talk of hot lesbian action and titties that I had to explain Crystal, I'm like, okay, these two women coming out, I know they're just, like, talking about boobs and stuff, but they're actually really talented. They're, they're like, the last of the female wrestlers before they all became just, you know, models they hired to slap each other. So hopefully Crystal will, like, appreciate them going Yeah, forward. Yeah, I mean, she was distracted by most of it, but, you know, I think she enjoyed it. But, uh, you know, to add, I mean, basically, you're at the end of it. You've just described the whole, like... You, you, we already got to the end, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, Trish wins, and, you know, they... It's like they, they hype it up, but, like, not in the same way they would, like, if another title changed hands. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't feel... Yeah. It didn't feel big. Like, like oh, it's... Look, she won. Good job. She worked hard. She earned it. There you go. You know? Well, there was no build, you know? It's like... You know, they've been in tag matches against each other. But the main story with Molly, the women's champion, was, you know, Chris Nowinski was trying to take her virginity. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> it's the state of state of the women's division before they took it out back and shot it in the head. And the other thing was, I didn't bring this up because I didn't want to, but the only other thing with the women was they had the first ever in history lingerie pillow fight on Raw. <laughs> Between Stacy yes. Keebler and uh, Terry Runnels. Terry Runnels is just gross looking. My mom used to say that. <laughs> like, uh, let's just say uh, she looks a little, a little fake, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh. Uh, yes, I know what you mean. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to respond to that either. She got big fake titties and they're gross looking there. So we cut backstage Eric Bischoff in three minute warning with a bunch of women. And, uh. Oh, no, 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 not just women. Lesbians. But were they though? They were, they were all over. Well, well they were, they were all hanging out. They're all leaving. And, uh, you know, I guess just I might as well go into it. Three minute warning and Rico are celebrating with what I will say are the lesbians. There's just a bunch of. Of women that they probably just hired from a strip club down the street and they're just all hanging out and then he's like yeah, we're in hollywood party go use my name have fun bye and they leave and as they're leaving eric stops two women and he's like hey ladies <laughs> i need you to help me with something some hla ginga and then they come out and then that's uh what do you call it it's uh what does he call them like peaches and cream or something like that. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So they are the quote-unquote lesbians. I mean, yeah, yeah. But either way, just set up the next scene. So the next, the next one's a good, a good one. <laughs> Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit. 
Oh, was did they not have the the Definitely. HLA thing? Or was that between? Okay, I didn't even bother to write that down because <laughs> I was like, I don't care. I'm not wasting notes with this. I I can remember it. So Kurt and Chris have been feuding on SmackDown, trying to get one over on each other. They've interrupted each other's matches with Rikishi, and they both gotten stink faced in the past couple weeks. Yeah. I hate this whole feud is over basically just them getting angry for stink facing each other. Well, I think it's more than that. It's um, they're trying to figure out like who's the best. There was a there was a segment on SmackDown where Kurt was talking to Eddie, and Kurt's like uh, making fun of him, like calling him names behind his back, and Eddie's like, "Oh yeah, keep it going. What is it?" Like he sees Chris in the background, and Chris. It's like he comes in, and he starts fake laughing at him. He's like, "Oh, that's so funny!" and gets in his face, just like aggressively, and it's like, "Won't you sit to my face?" And so, like, that's kind of like where this all really started. <laughs> it's like, you know, who's the best? Is it Kurt or is it Chris? And I think that's more of you know what's going on here. I, I get it, but me just going off the hype package, it just they make it seem like the stink face is the catalyst. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Well, Crispin Wall is like intensely telling Stephanie, "Oh, I just went out there and I got a stink face." And it's like, <laughs> it's like he's being intense. Like I get it. Like this is like a blood feud. But the fact that they're pushing the fact that oh they stink faced each other now they're mad. Well, hopefully all our listeners can gain more perspective than the hype pack. Why did this match get a hype pack? I, I have no idea. If that's all they were gonna say. Every match has gotten a stinking hype package, it seems. I know, and they don't even need it. Like, it's just like a little blood feud. It's not even like, whatever, who cares? Who cares? We start with some legit wrestling, like map-based wrestling between these two. And I remember on uh, Chris Miller's documentary back in the day, he Mm -hmm. said they used to shoot wrestle at the start of their matches. Yeah, I was going to say, I I remember reading that, that they actually would just actual do like the whole Greco-Roman kind of wrestling and you can really tell, like, they're going at it. It's, it's really good. Yeah, just, like, look at their faces. They're so, like, frustrated because they're just trying to get one over on each other. Like, yeah, they're, they're both, like, so into it. Michael Cole says they're at a stalemate, but in my honest opinion, Angle had been on top the whole time. Oh, yeah, duh. He, he's an Olympic wrestler. He's going to be on top. There's a beautiful sequence of pin attempts that ultimately lead into a, a crossface attempt. Mm-hmm. Like they're just like pin, pin, pin. Just like can't and, like get the other guy over. And the last one was a little, little wonky. Like honestly, I think Benoit's back was down for three, and you know the ref tried playing it off like nope, nope, and he kind of like slid his hand under there to be like there was a gap. But I'm like no, I saw that. Oh really? I missed that. Yeah. Lots of missable moments on this pay per view. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's 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 like a little detail. I don't fault you, but you know. And some, uh, yeah. Something I noticed. <laughs> Angle goes for an underhook, which nearly gets reversed into a crossface. So it's like this huge wrestling match between them. Like, they're not punching, kicking, anything like that. They're wrestling yeah. each other. Angle yeah, gets... the, the whole thing, just very back and forth, really physical. Like, they're just, like, manhandling each other. Angle gets frustrated and sends Benoit outside. And Taz kind of plays that up. He says he doesn't want to play nice anymore. Angle gets in stumps and a backbreaker. And then Benoit gets worked over in a hold and then tries to break out and build momentum, but is met with a knee to the gut. And then Benoit ultimately fights back with a back body drop. Both men are down, and they meet the 10 count. You know, because like when you get down, they start counting to 10. 
Yeah. Uh, Benoit hits a germ, uh, starts hitting German suplexes, and Kurt responds with some of his own, and then vice versa. There's it's just so back and forth. I know. I love that about this match. Yeah. Everything was back and forth. It just seemed like equals. It was really good. I appreciated that about it. You don't really see that kind of back and forth three these days. Mm-mm. At, at least not like you know when it's obvious or goofy. You know. I felt like it was just such a different way to write the match. You know, no one had the clear advantage. Mm-hmm. It was like there was no like. It's like there was heel face dynamic, but just like it was very. It was like gray. You know. Well, that's the thing. I forgot that this was heel versus heel. Yeah. Chris Benoit is a, a bad guy. And uh, if if you listen to old Jim Cornette podcast, you know he says that doesn't work, and it's one of the moments where I don't agree with him. Like this is kind of one of those situations where it's like, if the match is good, it's good. It doesn't really matter. And this is a very big example of that. You know. Yeah, there's there's moments where like wrestlers transcend you know their role in a story. And mm-hmm. It's just a good wrestling match, and you know heel versus heel is hard to pull off. But mm-hmm. I feel like this is a moment where they did pull it off. Yeah, I feel like face heel is the best to go for almost every match you do. Because even if it's like an okay match, so long as people are behind whoever they need to be behind, they'll enjoy it. But yeah, if you're working like heel heel or face face, you gotta have like a, a a really good match. You know, like a big big match. Otherwise, it's going to fall flat. But this one, this one delivered. So Kurt goes for the angle slam, and it's reversed into this huge belly-to-belly like flip slam. Like he flips in midair. Yeah, it's like he was going to go for like a, a suplex, but he ends up like overshooting and just slams, like just flips down. That was really cool. Benoit goes for the diving headbutt, but Kurt rises instantly and scales the top ropes for a belly-to-belly. Like, these these moves feel good to say out loud. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Like it's such a good match. He goes I for know. a pin attempt, and uh, it goes into the ankle lock. And uh, it's reversed. Shoulder breaker to angle. Thought it was going to be a pile driver, though. Like, they were reversing each other. And Taz, Taz called that yeah, out. Yeah, I remember too. that. Cole. No, it was Cole. He called it out. One of those. One of those. Jabronis. Taz corrected you one of those jabronis fighting. The cross face locked in, and midway angle gets an ankle lock. He's like, and you know, trying to like get it fully in. And Benoit gives up, and angle mm-hmm. gets it all. Like, he gets all of his ankle lock. Benoit reverses back into a cross face. Kurt reverses back into the ankle lock. Benoit gets to the ropes, and Kurt puts in the cross face on him. Yeah, this 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 that, like that whole sequence was just so impressive. I actually wrote down the sequence because I did not want to forget it. You know, it was just a cross face to just an ankle lock, and then to an angle lock by Chris or Chris Kurt, and then a cross face, and then another angle lock, and then the Chris or Kurt Angle to in the cross face. Like that was like, oh my god! I almost felt like it was kind of organic the way they did it. It makes me wa- it oh, makes no, me wonder yeah. if they like they just called it on the fly. I don't know if they did. Like that's just incredibly well done. Because I mean, wow! Like it was smooth. It it didn't feel like just guys like oh my turn. Like it felt like legit like reversals, kind of in the same sense of how like their actual mat wrestling was in the beginning. Right, right. And I don't know. We got to interview old Kurt and just find get to the bottom of this. It's fine. Let's knock on his door. Let's go to his house tomorrow. <laughs> That one voice he did for one time. You crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. 
<laughs> As Benwall reaches for the ropes, you know, he's in the crossface, Kurt uses his foot to block it. And the ref's like, oh, come on! And like come he, on he stops it, and Benwall rolls him up, puts his feet on the ropes to steal a win. And I love it. Like, they're both just as dirty. Like, they don't care. <laughs> That's the moment, though, that I forgot that Benoit was a bad guy. Because I was, like, rooting for him in the match. Mm-hmm. It definitely felt like... I wouldn't say he's an underdog, but certainly, like, Kurt Angle is just, I guess, the greater of two evils, you know? I don't know. It's, well, I mean, yeah, generally Benoit isn't an underdog because he's a really good wrestler. And that's probably the last time I'd ever say that. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, yeah, oh go ahead. Gosh, yeah, but like, you know, him not generally being an underdog, it's like, I feel like there's like this unsaid thing between the two, like when you consider Kurt and you consider Benoit, like Benoit is the underdog because it's like, I'm this Olympic champion of a wrestler, and it's like, and you're not, and so like, you've got to prove yourself to me. That sort of thing, you know? Oh, yeah. Within their realm of things. I kind of feel like that's where it is, so. Yeah. So anyway. Um, that was the match, and like I said, that that moment made me forget that Benoit was a bad guy. But I felt like <laughs> I felt like that ending really uh, tied it with a nice bow because you know you have at the beginning Kurt um, throwing Benoit out like, all right, we're gonna fight, and at the end, you know, Benoit kind of forgets all you know him trying to play nice, quote unquote, and all that stuff, and like it's like, yeah, I'm gonna beat you by any means necessary. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that gets under the skin of Kurt just a little bit more. And that's kind of like what he's trying to do, too. It's like an added bonus, if any of that makes sense. But yeah, uh, but yeah I, I like this match. Oh, yeah, I really like this match. I mean, honestly, like, to me, um, I, I can easily say that, you know, given the whole pay-per-view, this is definitely, like, match of the night for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, is, it is incredibly good. Like, honestly, like, for all listeners, um, you know... If there's one match I think you should go watch, definitely this one. Like, I, I just think it's, it's, it was just fantastic. Like, I really enjoyed this match. Out of, the, out of the crap show that is Unforgiven 2002, I, I would, I would agree with you. I would agree and say this is the match of the night. I, I mean, so far I won't say it's really crap, but like, it's just, you know, Dude, it's okay. In my opinion, in comparison to the other shows, it could have been decent, but it's, it's got too much crap in it. I don't know. I mean, the thing is, like, I guess I'm in the mind state of, like, modern-day WWE stuff, where you're just kind of wired to accept anything that's not just below average as good. Right, right. <laughs> so I guess in that sense, I'm like, I'm being mildly entertained. This is good, you know? Right. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, like, I guess, yeah, you got a point. Like, when you stack it up next to all the pay-per-views, you know, in the same time period, this is just kind of middling, like, you know, eh. But, yeah. If, there, if there's any match that you should see tonight, Benoit, Angle, Unforgiven 2002, it's, it is the diamond in the rough. <laughs> so, um, here's the fun part. Oh, yeah. Well, hold, hold the fun. I want to go use the bathroom real quick, sorry. <laughs> hey, guys. I'll be back in just one moment. Gingo. Brought back the NWO. We were there. We were there. I was there when Jimmy Superfly Snuka 
When Mick Foley soared off the top of the steel cage. I was there. When giants collided. When dreams became reality. I was there. We were there. When over 68,000 fans tore the roof off the sky dome. I was there. I was there. I was there live. I was there live. WWE Live. The moments are waiting. Josh here from Wrestling Reverb, and if you're looking for a different take on all the current things going on in WWE and pro wrestling in the world, you should listen to Wrestling Reverb. It's available on Spreaker, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. I bet. Anyways, <laughs> up next we have the hot whispering action. So, um. Uh, would would you like would you like to run us through? This uh, segment? I'll go through memory because um, it's a really dumb segment and terrible. So uh, at this point, I'm guessing. I would like to say before you start. Yes. The way the way Howard Finkel introduces uh, Bischoff <laughs> and, and the gals, he goes. <laughs> Certainly a unit introduction by Howard Finkel, a thing accompanied by the lesbians. Accompanied by the lesbians. <laughs> accompanied by the lesbians. I, I died at that. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, they're just the lesbians. Well, yeah, Eric Bischoff comes down. He's like, hey, everybody. Oh, oh, I introduce. Oh, doesn't Stephanie, does Stephanie come out? Yeah. And he's later, Wait. yeah, he's like, but he introduces the lesbians. He's like, this one's Peaches. And this one's Cream Goo. And of course, you know, Jerry's like, I want you Peaches and Cream. And uh, I think eventually he, he's basically just like, but uh, you want to see him do some haw? And they all get kind of half naked or whatever. Everybody starts chanting HLA. And they get half naked and they're about to like feel and lick up uh, Stephanie's face and stuff. I don't know what they're gonna do to her. Les her up, and then he's like, "No, no, no! Stop it! Stop it! Stop!" And he's like, "No, I don't, I don't want, I don't want, I don't want these lesbians. Get out of here, these lesbians! I'm gonna bring in the biggest, nastiest, fattest lesbo!" Like at this point, he stops using the word lesbian because lesbian, that word's hot. Lesbo, oh no, that's gross. And and so he he says, oh, I found this Lesbo. Brings out this big old big old fat fat lady. Air quotations uh, that doesn't look like anybody recognizable whatsoever. You know, like yeah, it's it's Hildegard. Hildegard. He introduces her as his Hildegard. And at this point, uh, Hildegard is not obviously anybody at all. It is obviously a woman. In uh, women's clothes, nothing, nothing secret about this. And uh, uh oh, Stephanie, <laughs> gotta give her a big old smooch, and they're all laughing. But then, uh oh, what, what's this? What's this? Hildegard rips off uh, her uh, not obvious wig and not obvious uh, 
prosthetic face, and it's just Rikishi. It's Rikishi. Ah. And he goes, and guess what? He gives he gives Eric Bischoff a big old stink face, and then uh, Stephanie and Rikishi dance, and that's that's it. That's the big, the big uh, HLA HLA payoff. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was worth it. <laughs> so my hope is this HLA talk is done. I, I hope. I really hope. I, cause... I, I know with no mercy around the corner, we're going to have to talk about Katie Vick. Oh, man. I have history with Katie Vick. That's actually kind of cool. Oh, yeah, that's right. You do. I was there. I was there. Next episode, folks, you'll get to hear all about it. I oh, yeah. I'm, I'm 99% positive I've already told the story, but whatever. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping we can put all this behind us because, like, the Raws and SmackDowns and now the pay-per-view... It's been all about HLA. Oh, man. I could only imagine watching, you know, three or whatever weeks of SmackDown and Raw just getting bombarded with hot lesbian action talk to the point where it's just, like, grating. Like, just hearing the the, the abbreviations HLA just makes you just shiver. And then the payoff is just, oh, it's another stink face. Isn't that silly? <laughs> Because there's no payoff to it, you know? There is no payoff. I mean, Stinkface, it's like, it only pays off if it's a feud with Rikishi and he finally gets the upper hand. Whenever it's just like, we just hired him to go put his butt in someone's face. Isn't that funny? That's what we want, right? I feel like this was really tied together well with the, they played a little advert after the segment. Where it's like, you know, we've been fans for 20 years, 30 years, you know, all different fans. And it's like, WWE Live. The moments are waiting. So, you know, you just put Rikishi dressed in drag, you know, dancing with Stephanie. WWE Live. The moments are waiting. <laughs> like, no everybody's, like, saying the... Everybody's saying, like, the iconic moments they were in. Like, oh, yeah, you know. It's like, yeah, I was there for Hogan and Andre. Oh, yeah, I was there for a other important match. Oh, yeah, I was there for hot lesbian action. <laughs> <laughs> I was there when uh, Eugene got the the paint uh, slammed all over him by uh, Vince McMahon and Spirit Squad. This <laughs> <laughs> is really obscure. Uh, <laughs> you can tweet us at uh, at Ruthless Pod. Uh, let us know what what moments are waiting. Um, just really obscure ones. Let us know. <laughs> Anyways, I guess Our moving on from are... this. Oh, I was just gonna say, there's another hype package. And it was talking about how, I guess, like, this whole blood feud kind of started. Like, they're being mean to each other, Undertaker and Brock. But then Brock put his hands on Undertaker's pregnant wife. He said, life's a bee. Life's a bing bong. But yeah, up next we have the WWE Championship between Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar. Visionary, vision is scary. Cause
comes in uh, with uh, You're Gonna Pay. So he's got lyrics to his other song. And Kyle and I discussed, uh, I sent him a video last night where Undertaker had a really rare theme used, which would go on to be the theme of No Mercy coming up. But I was like, watch, I was watching SmackDown. I'm like, what the heck is this? This is a terrible song. Kind of, It kind of sounds like this. And I'll, I'll pipe it in on the podcast, but it's like, so bad and i'm just like yeah it's just like a, it's just kind of like a somewhat generic like hard guitar riff there's something special about it it's so bad but um now he's got you're gonna pay so all is right with the world and you know people people say what they will about this song but i like it it's okay i thought i thought it fit his persona better than rolling Really? To be honest. Ooh, them's fighting words. Because I mean, okay, okay, like think of it this way: when you think of Undertaker, you don't think of somebody like all hyped up and like, yeah, let's go. What you gonna do now? You think of some guy who's like, hey, I'm gonna come and beat you up. And I think that the second theme just conveyed that way more. Okay, that that actually makes a lot of sense then, because yeah, Roland was like a you know like, product of I'm, the time. And, you know, people were really into it. That just seems like something, like, a, yeah, Roland just seems like something like a Jeff Hardy type would come out to. Just, like, kind of wave their hands around, oh, too, and man. be like, yeah. Could you imagine? <laughs> wow, man. Uh, yeah, I, I, honestly, I could easily imagine them making that Jeff Hardy's temporary theme if they didn't add the dead man walking before it. I'm trying hard. I, I can't. I guess because, like, I just tied them together so well. Like, uh, Undertaker and Roland. Like... To me, just because, you know, I lived through it and everything, that theme for him makes sense. But, you know, when you put it that way, what you're saying makes sense, too. Ugh, I'm, I'm conflicted. Yeah. Darn you. It also probably helps that I actually started watching more around the, uh... You know, that's what I'm used to, just hearing you're gonna pay. Right. So I probably also have some... <laughs> You're gonna pay. Keep rolling. <laughs> Will they ever agree? <laughs> uh, so they go nose to nose to begin, and uh, it kind of like mimics their sit down interview that they had on SmackDown prior to this. Taker shoves Lesnar, and they lock up again. Uh, Lesnar shoves him back, but this time Taker shoves him again, and he's flying out of the ring. Lesnar comes back and is met with a clothesline out of the ring, and. Lesnar's clotheslines out of the ring just look so good, just because of the way he sells it. Mm-hmm. Lesnar puts him in a hammerlock, and Taker gets in an arm drag. So, I find that Lesnar's having a hard time overtaking the overtaker. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> He's an undertaker? Stupid! <laughs> he is overtaking the overtaker. No, anyway, <laughs> I guess I, the beginning of this match probably is the best part. Yeah, I would agree. Um, the Lesnar beginning works... of this match definitely is is the best part. I was gonna say it just felt like two just you know like giant you know like just I know they like to overuse this word nowadays, but like just like two big like just monsters just clashing. You know, it was really like blunt and physical. Like just they were hard hitting. And, and then it gets to the rest of the match, you know? <laughs> yeah, so let's get into that. <laughs> Lesnar works him 
Lesnar works him over <laughs> with the shoulder thrust, but is ultimately met with a huge clothesline from Taker. Uh, we get old school, and then Heyman gets on the ropes, and Taker gives him a boot instead of Lesnar, which I liked. Lesnar takes he takes advantage of that and then spears him. Oh, that was fun. We get a vertical suplex to Undertaker. Lesnar pulls him to the post and kicks him, so it's like doing some damage to his ribs. Lesnar works him over with shoulder thrust, but Taker responds with soup bones. Lesnar gets the bear hug in, that vicious... <laughs> yeah, bo- both, of, both of them really kept working the ribs. Oh, yeah, because Undertaker does, like, do, he does some body shots and stuff. Yeah, they both did. It's like, I guess maybe it was supposed to be like, you know... Like, oh, you're you're hitting me in the ribs. Well, you take this for the ribs. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really like this spot where uh, Lesnar puts him in the bear hug because, like, he does like some takedowns and stuff, but he never lets go. And Undertaker's doing, you know, just crying out in pain, just really putting it over because you know, yeah. same bear hug that took out Hogan and The Rock. You know, this this move is brutal, as we are yeah. listening. Yeah. And it's like every every time you think he was like getting out of it, he just kind of worm around and just slam him right back into where he was. They brawl to the outside, and Taker gets busted open. And uh, Lesnar starts taking advantage of it by working it over, like punching him on his wound. Uh, mm-hmm. Taker fights back with a body splash to the corner, and another one. Uh, choke slam reverse, but Taker gets a big boot. Snake eyes to big boot, and here we go again. The referee gets taken out. This is Un- a recurring theme. <laughs> Unforgiven or un uh, unrefereed, <laughs> more like. <laughs> That's what, like okay, like this ref in this match more than any ref that came before in any of the matches is just like the biggest, just like just wet piece of paper. Like he is just nothing. Like you could just like. <laughs> Like, a strong gust of wind would just take this guy out. Like, he's nothing, I swear. So, if I'm not mistaken, this was Earl Hebner's son refereeing the match. Yeah, that's what I figured, considering he was all stickly, and they kept calling him Hebner. So, I'm like, this guy, I bet this is Earl's son. Does does he not work? I bet he he doesn't work for WWE anymore, does he? No, no. After the thing with Earl Hebner getting fired, um, he left with him. Yeah, that makes sense. It's like, I get that. That's, you know, you don't mess with your, your employer's business stuff. But at the same time, I wish they'd bring Earl Hebner back. Cause I actually think he's overall, like, just really, really, really good referee. Yeah. Like, he's called some of the greats. Yeah, I mean, he's synonymous with the Montreal Screwjob and all that, so. Mm-hmm. Earl, why did you have to sell bootleg t-shirts? <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> So, the ref gets taken out, and Undertaker gets an unofficial three count. So, new champion, but not really. So, while the ref is down, Matt Hardy, version one, he comes out to help Lesnar, but gets a last ride for his trouble. Lesnar gets a spine buster, and Taker kicks out. Undertaker gets a running DDT, and that gets a two count. Undertaker signals for the tombstone, and Lesnar reverses and pushes Taker into the ref. Back to that wet piece of paper <laughs> remark. Yep. Once again. Paul Heyman brings in a chair and Lesnar goes for the chair shot, but Taker catches him with a big boot at like the last possible second. And Paul starts freaking out. He's like, no! 
no. And I really thought <laughs> that was funny. I love how Paul do that. He'll just audibly hear him just like, no, no, no. I feel like that puts over so well where the match is. Because it's like, you know, if it was just those two guys, mm-hmm. you'd be like, oh, sure, Brock could reverse. But it's like, if Paul's freaking out, he's like, oh, man, something must be really wrong. But, oh, yeah. Like, he, he, doesn't he do it again? I want to say he does it again, too. I don't know, but, like, I'm just saying, like, last start of the manager, man. Paul Heyman, so good. I know. It's, it's sad. We need more managers. We need more managers in professional yes. wrestling. It feels like they're, they're a dying breed. Yes, we do. So Taker uh, gets him with a chair shot, uh, gets a big boot and a leg drop, and I have here Taker Mania is running wild, but only a two count. Oh man! But not just a headshot, man. It was that, pretty that bad. Was a brain scrambler, <laughs> a mind eraser. Like it was. It was like, uh, like it's, It wasn't just like a. Sometimes you know whenever. Somebody does a chair shot, you can just tell they're pulling it because, like, whenever it goes to, like, the point of impact, it just kind of goes, like, pow against it, like a smack. <laughs> nah, this followed through. Like, this this thing bent right in half. Like, okay. it, it made me cringe. Like, oh, man, just knowing, you know, living in a post-Benoit world where everybody's a bit more aware of, like, oh, hey, all those shots to the head, they, they hurt. I'm just like, ah, so Taker, he signals for last ride, but it's reversed. Uh, then he tries to go for an F5, but it's reversed into like this weird punch. So like Undertaker comes down, just kind of like doesn't know what to do, and he punches him in the face. <laughs> and uh, he just like kind of shoves him back into the corner, and the ref gets all mixed up in it. And uh, they start kind of like brawling around with the ref, and the ref just throws out the match. And so it's a no contest. Yeah, that was such a lame finish. So all the referees start coming out, and Taker, and I guess a great bit of foreshadowing, uh, Undertaker hits two low blows on Brock Lesnar, just kicks him straight in the crotch, and gives him a choke slam. <laughs> so, because, like, I guess that makes the future make sense. Because when he just low-blowed Lesnar, when he came back after WrestleMania, losing his streak, excuse me, yeah. He was like, I was like, why would Undertaker do that? That doesn't make sense. But he did it here. <laughs> so. They got history. So, yeah, they brought outside some more. Undertaker throws him through the Unforgiven sign, which was kind of cool, but it doesn't make up for what a crap finish that was. I know. Like, I thought, I don't know. It's just like it was kind of cool, but. It's like at the end of the day, we're just left with a no contest finish of the main event. It's just not satisfying. Because, I mean, like, by the end of it, you could just tell both guys are just kind of, kind of like running low in the tank and it's just kind of plotting. And then just to have a finish like this, it was just like, <laughs> and it's like, oh, they won't care because, you know, it's, they'll just slam through the sign. People think it's cool. It's like, Okay, he slams through the Unforgiven side, made of plywood. Now what? You know, is he going to pick him up and stab him or something? It's like, no, nothing else. At the end of the day, we don't have a definitive winner. And pay-per-views are made to define mm-hmm. winners. Not wieners. And it's just like, yeah. Like, there's just nothing. Like, other than just Trish Stratus winning, like, none of the titles changed hands. It didn't really feel like there was much satisfying finish to Yeah, that was anything. really the only... Other than other than the first match, and yeah, that was really the only end. the clean finish of the night. I, I guess. I mean, 
not counting the tag match. But yeah, I mean, that's unforgiven. And what is unforgiven for me is that I can't forgive them for all the, all the crap they pull in this pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah, like overall, it's just really janky. I mean, it was like this, you know, kind of disjointed, just kind of eh feeling matches overall. I mean, just had like, like one or two real highlights. But uh, in the end, it's just kind of all washed out by this gigantic overshadowing theme of hot lesbian action. This is awkward. It had all the potential in the world, really. Like, you have so much great yeah, talent all together, you know, with relative, like, you know, pretty much assembled storylines. You know, good enough views, like, even with Angle and, and Crispin Wall, like, you know, it was perceived as stink face, stink faces and stuff. Like, it was more than that. Like, they could have done more. You know, if you watch SmackDown, you would have seen, the, you know, that they were just like, like, who's better? You know, it wasn't about getting stink face. Yeah. Like, they, they just, and like, the stuff with Taker and Lesnar, like, they built that up really well. But it fell so flat because they couldn't decide who to win. And uh, the obvious answer is Lesnar. So. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's young. <laughs> he needs more title, but whatever. So yeah, I mean, overall this show gets a thumbs down for me, and it's a reluctant thumbs down, because I don't want to, you know, I wanted to like this, but I just didn't. <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it, I guess it's, it's just weird, because like, you'll watch the matches, and for the most part you'll be entertained, but then there's always something to make it like, eh, other than just the opening tag match, you know, the whole... I mean, I can't even say the whole the women's match because what was eh about that was just all the freaking commentary. Yeah. But then, uh, you know, Benoit and Angle and the tag match, the two shining things, especially Benoit and Angle. But, uh, I mean, tag match, that's fun, but it's not something to go, you know, like, oh, go go find it, it's worth watching. I mean, Benoit and Angle is, but that's just like one out of like an entire, like, nearly three hour block. It just doesn't really cut And even then, that's not really their best match together. I know. It's just, I mean... It's a good match, though, so... It's, it's, it's a, yeah. And it's, it's a really solid match. It's really good, but, yeah. But, yeah, that's Unforgiven. Uh, join us next time as we talk about No Mercy 2002. Oh, or, we get to hear Undertaker's uh, one-time theme with lyrics. Or, Kyle, can you can you uh, do the WWF No Mercy for the N64 soundbites? <laughs> I'm trying to think of, like, if I could do the whole, whole thing... Like, you start up the game, it's like... <laughs> if you smell a little loud... Don't, don't. Smash it. <laughs> Championship mode. Smackdown mode. <laughs> Dude, we always said... Um, I forget. I think it was SmackDown Mall. The song was like, yeah, or not SmackDown Mall. It was one of those things. Create a wrestler, whatever. But there was like a little voice. Oh yeah, let's create a wrestler. There was a voice in the background, and it would go, oh, and we're always like, that's Mr. Krabs. It sounds just like Mr. Krabs. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear it too. I can hear that audio in my head, and I know what you're talking about. We're convinced. <laughs> But yeah, join us next time as we talk about WWE No Mercy 2002.
And in the meantime, download all our past episodes. SummerSlam 2002 just released uh, prior to this episode. Uh, be sure to download that and all the other ones before that. Follow us on Twitter at RuthlessPod, Facebook, The Ruthless Aggression Podcast, and Instagram, The Ruthless Aggression Podcast. We got we have a lot of fun on there. Um, I'm, I'm going to try and start a YouTube channel soon. I'm, I'm releasing little sound bites and clips um, just to kind of get the word out there. Um, yeah. But mainly... Um, so, <laughs> look forward to it, everybody. But mainly, uh, we're, we are on so many platforms right now. I'm going to... Just gonna quickly uh, skim over those, um, just so you can know where to follow us. But we were recently added to Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, uh, Breaker. We're on so many platforms, and so like if you want to listen to the Rich Discretion Podcast, you have so many opportunities to do so. Uh, and I just want to thank you all for joining us on this ride. And uh, you know we have almost 500 accumulated downloads, uh, so. Thanks to everyone who's supported this project and, and believe in us and are entertained by the goofy and the stuff we talk about and as the way we see it. Uh, for two guys who are pretty uh, nostalgic for the Ruthless Aggression era, um, you know, up to this point, I think we can still call it an era. Um, no, definitely, yeah. But I, I think it is a bona fide era. And if anybody says no, uh, they can just fight me. But that's the thing, you know, we're here to, to decipher, like, is this an era? Is it not an era? And only time will tell, but right now it feels that way. And again, we just thank everyone who's really joined us along for the ride. So, I'm Levi. Oh, hey, r- real, real quick, real quick. Yes. Hot take. Uh, do you think the PG era is over, and we are now in either the Triple H dubbed reality era, or as some have dubbed it, the new new generation era? Levi, take go. I would call it neither of those things, but definitely the PG era is over. I think we should call it the Fox era. Because things are about to change, for sure. Yeah, I, I guess, yeah. Things are about to change, and we don't know what those changes look like, but they're going to change, for sure. Hopefully for the better. But uh, knowing Vince, probably not. Let's hope he dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can cut all that out. But, uh... but yeah, thanks for joining us. I'm Levi. And I'm Kyle. We'll see you next time. Same Ginga. No, I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> he got you. Stay ruthless. <laughs>